Welcome to another episode of the Frankie Lee Podcast. Our mission to empower others to break patterns, flip perspectives, so that together we have clarity, direction, and success way beyond what we ever previously thought possible. Here's your host, Frankie Lee. First things first, guys, before we get started with this podcast, do me a solid favor and subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now. Whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button and it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremoval.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremoval.com. Welcome back to the Frankie Lee Podcast. Today, guys, we have another absolute barnstorming episode and never before heard story and i tell you now this is a story that i've been wanting to get out to the world on a podcast for a long time i have the the founder here the original founder of hera london as it was known back then who scaled the business from zero to 33 million in revenue over its full time the man ash white welcome to the podcast hi mate cheers for having me <laughs> mate welcome 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 um Ash, you have been on one hell of a journey in e-commerce. Yeah. That, that that is an understatement. Yeah, it's that, been mad. It's been it's been a mad one. Yeah, give me a, for the audience uh, for the audience like because I've got an audience all over the world now. Yeah. Just get, to give them a bit of context, when did you start on your entrepreneurial journey? And how did that kind of come about for you? Yeah, so it was 2014. I went to Liverpool University. Um, wanted to be a PE teacher, so I went there. Um, and then I had a girlfriend at the time for 12 months, my first proper relationship sort of thing. And then went to Liverpool University, kept coming back to Cheltenham to see my girlfriend and stuff. And then I, I stuck at university for about three months. And then I just dropped out because the work was just like, because I was like at school, like bottom set school, just tried in the last six months really just to scrape GCSEs to get into Hartby College. Went to Hartby College to do sport BTEC degree to be a PE teacher. Uh, did that and then took a gap year and then just literally worked on my local co-op just to make money for a year um, and then even with with that like even before you know I, I'd have two jobs I'd work at the co-op then I'd be at the co-op at like five in the morning to clean as a cleaning <laughs> yeah, job yeah, yeah, yeah. do the cleaning to make more money and then I'd work behind the till at the co-op so was your, was your mindset back then just to like have all these jobs to kind of stack cash because you knew yeah, there was so, make, something else that was make more do. money because like the, the you know i could clean the co-op for an hour and the pay would be really good <laughs> so i'm like well i might as well get up at five do that make more money because I, I was saving up for a car so i wanted to get like a rent up my car so I, was, <laughs> I had to save two grand to like get that car so I just work loads and um yeah even like around school like i was f- at 14 i you know, didn't get given money. I always had to work. So like, you know, doing pot washing jobs down the, the pub and stuff every night. So it was always like, had to work for my money sort of thing. So in regards to your family background, was, was your family like a middle class family in England? Were they, were they, were they just normal? Just like they had normal jobs. We lived on a, like a council estate. Um, but it's just normal life like that. I knew nothing different. I still know nothing different really. Like it's just, you grow up there sound, you just play football on the, you know, the green or whatever with your mates and you go to a normal school. It's just a normal sort of background. <laughs> and, and was there ever a point then where you thought to yourself, Do you know, what, I, I aspire to more than what than what this? Nah, is? it wasn't. No, because I just I didn't mind that. Like, I don't care about that life. It's just like that's normal to me. Like 
I didn't really aspire to make loads of money and stuff. It was the the, the catalyst, the cha- the turning point was going back to the university thing. I dropped out of university after three months and I come back to Cheltenham. And then I ended up getting a job at Vodafone. Um, and then my girlfriend broke up with me <laughs> at that time. And then it caused, like, for me personally, just like gigantic depression. <laughs> like, I know it's, it sounds stupid now saying, oh, you know, why are you getting depressed over a girl for? But, like, for some reason, and I've, I never went through depression prior to that before. So it was, like, completely new. So when that happened, it was like almost like complete cut off. And then I didn't know, I'd have been 19 at the time. So I didn't know how to handle that situation. Like you've gone from seeing someone every single day to being your best friend sort of thing. I didn't really have many friends because I isolated myself to being like that. The relationship, yeah. You put all your eggs in like that relationship because you just want to spend so much time with them. So like, you know, I didn't know how to handle it. So, you know, looking back, it was almost like grieving almost because like, You've, they've disappeared you're not you're, you're not seeing them ever again sort of thing so i was like looking back it's probably like that it's probably like a grieving process of like fuck how do i even you know i used to wake up like thinking like fuck i just feel so i, I was completely fucked <laughs> like completely lost um this went on for like months like i was went had to go to the doctor so like i'm suicidal like this is and bad. this and th- and this was all because breakup. when 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 she broke up with you, she didn't give you any reasoning as to why no, they were breaking up. Like it was hard. It was just a clear. It was just it was a like clear a cut. Clean yeah, cut. Yeah, yeah. Savage. And it was probably and it's probably your first clean cut. That was my first ever girlfriend, like proper relationship, and there was like clean cut. But when you're also like, you know, you're not the one who wants to break up, and you didn't have the control over, you know, the breakup was like, and then you still want to be in the relationship, but they don't, sort of thing. Clean cut, and then that was it. And then I had to like kind of handle it myself, and then. um yeah, it's just fucking hard because, like, I remember it. I I just I even like really like looking back and thinking about that sort of thing. Like, I used to do strange things. Like, I used to like have to like leave the house and just drive in my car and listen to the radio, and that would somehow make me feel slightly happy for a moment. And then even watch Netflix comedies, like stand-up comedians, just to like get some to sort of get like, some joy in your life yeah and and i used to like literally sleep like i used to in the day like when i wasn't working i would have to go to bed and i'd rather be asleep than be awake in my own head because it was that bad i was and like how did you go on to like break the pattern of of doing that i just I, I remember the exact day like it was just like was it my parents house no one was in it was like in the afternoon and i just broke down into tears like just full on. i just looked at myself in the mirror like in the living room just complete fucking mess i was like what the fuck, why the fuck have I put all my happiness and stuff in this one person sort of thing? Like, and I just remember from that point, it was like, I'm never going to let this happen to happen again. I'm just going to focus on myself, stop being a fucking idiot and just, you know, focus on yourself. And um, I just literally made two goals. And the first goal was to join a gym and just get in the best shape of my life, which was the number one goal. And then the second goal was to start a business. Um, and then I wrote those two goals down on a piece of paper. And then, I made a rule in my head, like from that day, I was like, whenever I have a bad thought about, whenever I think about the relationship or whenever I think of like down, being down stuff, I was like, focus on, I used to literally say those two goals out loud in my head, like Jim, start a business. And I used that as a coping mechanism as like hope sort of thing to like really just focus on that, put all your mind into that. Don't question the thoughts in your head about that stuff, block it out and just fully focus on those two things and that's how I literally got out of that but I didn't get out of depression for over a year like I was still dealing with that whilst doing this but that's where I got 
all that drive from because you have to understand like when I was in that position suicidal at the very bottom my life was waking up in you know your parents house I'd wake up go to work at Vodafone had no money and like I was in overdraft from university skint and because I started a um, like a gym routine with Lewis Harrison who I phoned up I remember phoning him I was like bro girlfriend's broke up with me <laughs> I need to get the best shape of my life fucking sort me out <laughs> and then uh, he still remembers the phone call because still speak to him so it was just like and he was like yeah right we're going to get you in the best shape of your life here's your diet plan here's your gym and uh, that would be my routine and it helped me loads by cleaning up my diet improving yourself going to the gym, releases endorphins and stuff. I remember my first gym session, I had to leave because I was literally breaking down tears. And I remember the exact machine I went on for my first exercise on lap pull down, just thinking, right, this is the start of my new life now. And it was just so weird. Just like, that's where it like, all started sort of thing, like the transition. Um, and then, yeah, just focus on, focus on the gym. And then, um, uh, then uh, yeah, then literally just started on um, the, the business side of things. But prior to this, like, how I come up with the jeans and stuff. Like, whilst I was in that relationship at Liverpool, I would wear women's skinny jeans, like, from Topshop and Jack Wills. Like, they did really good women's skinny jeans because you couldn't buy these jeans, these Jamie jeans, whatever, for men. And I was in Top Man, I was just like, why the fuck aren't you just making these jeans, which everyone wanted. I knew they wanted it. Like, they wanted skin-tight jeans, which were, like, very skin-tight to the ankle, and you just couldn't buy them anywhere. Um... And I know, like a lot of people, even at university, were wearing girls' skinny jeans because uh, you just couldn't buy them. It, isn't it? Isn't it amazing how <coughs> something that sounds so simple on the outside, look, when you look, in, when it's you look, when, yeah, it's yeah. mad. It's mad that it's mad that you formulated this yeah. whole brand off to something that, to me, I couldn't see it. But yeah. I'm saying it does seem so simple when you say it back to yourself. It's because like brands like Arcadia and Top Man and stuff, they're so big, they don't see the little niches because <laughs> they're so big and they're making so much money. Sometimes they miss these little gaps yeah but whereas someone like myself or someone they can spot something I I, but before we go on to that i just want to go back do you think that the pivotal moment for you was yeah. when you drew the line in the sand and wrote those two goals down is that is that the pivotal moment for you because when 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 things started to really change because you wrote two goals on a piece of paper and i think you, i think then and there you wrote you put a line in the sand and said you know what i'm not going back over this. it was anger and there's like right it was like fuck this like because I, I i watched youtube videos a lot so i was watching like z's videos australian bodybuilder his outlook on life completely helped me out and changed the way i thought and just like it just it changes your mindset it's like stop being a fucking idiot and stop being a little bitch like just grow up <laughs> and like your life's not over like just focus on yourself yeah. get in the gym and just you know carry on sort of thing and i was watching i can't remember the exact time frames of it like in terms of like at what point did i start watching these motivational videos it must be around the same sort of time where I'd watch like Eric Thomas, uh, Conor McGregor videos, um, where he'd do it. I remember he did an interview with Ariel in Ireland and he'd talk about like, you know, visualization and all this stuff. And uh, Will Smith, Will Smith was the first guy I started watching on YouTube. And the stuff he says is just fucking nuts. Like it, the way he, his brain thinks and the stuff he comes out with is just insane. Like if you really go into YouTube videos, type in like law of attraction, visualization and all the stuff he talks about. Yeah. It literally that re, literally rewired the way my brain thought, and it made me believe that anything is possible. Like, I will show my kids his videos, like in the fu- in the future and stuff, because it's so powerful. I still watch his stuff now. Like, it's so powerful, like the way he thinks and the way he can actually train your mind to believe that anything is possible. And I generally did believe that anything was possible, and so I had like 
ridiculous amounts of self-belief that anything was possible from watching all this stuff. And then I had the depression, which was luckily, and I'm thankful for it in terms of like, it went the other way for me in terms of like, it actually drove me to, I'm probably in survival mood. Like your body does weird things. Like when you, when your alternative is death, your body goes into survival. So you, so you were literally thinking of suicidal thoughts? If heroin didn't work, I wouldn't be here now. Like genuine. Really? Yeah. It was, it, you were that deep. No, I in- knew, I know that was the answer. It was just like, and it was like, if, if this does not work, but the way my mind thought in that moment is like, I always knew that this would work. Like I knew, I don't know what the fuck it was. I just knew that this was my way out. And I knew that this would, this was going to work. I didn't know how, I just knew it was going to work. So. And was that your first real solid idea? Yeah. Um, to be honest, it's funny, like looking back, actually like I was always entrepreneurial, like, it, like even like the whole school thing, like actually made silent sweets and all that stuff. Did, I did all that. And then, you know, my parents, I remember this one year, must have been like 10 or 11, I don't know how old it was, but I wanted to watch WrestleMania with my mate and they're like, we're not buying that's 25 quid or 20 quid. So I was like, oh. so I literally off my own back, went out with my mate, knocked on doors and then cleaned a couple of cars and then come back with a 20 quid to watch WrestleMania so, I, so we could watch WrestleMania. So I was like, I always had those tendencies in me from a young age without knowing what it was. I just, I was always sort of into making money. So that was my first like proper, yeah, business idea in terms of like, you know, a proper sort of business sort of thing. So when you stood there in the shop looking at these skinny jeans that you're now wearing because, and you know that there's a need in the market for it, how did you kind of formulate that into the into the into taking action on this idea in terms of like you know yeah. how did you put it all together so that's a very good question so basically what i did is in my own head i was like right you're in your bedroom you got a laptop just don't overthink and complicate shit think fucking logically pretend it's a school project so i was like right get a keynote out what do i logically need if i had a gun to my head what do i logically need to get this thing actually brought to life sort of thing from nothing so i was like right i need to find a factory to make the jeans i need a website built I need, you know, X, Y, and Z. I, I just listed it. And then I was like, okay. Started Googling stuff, found the supplier from Topman, um, managed to dig deep enough <laughs> and then find the, the exact same factory they make their uh, Jamie jeans with. Um, and then contacted them, started phoning people, speaking to them, sp- spoke to Shopify um, website builder in Birmingham, so I need to build a website, spoke to them, uh, set up a meeting. Um, found a denim jean supplier in Birmingham. And um, I, was do- I was doing all this, but prior to this, I was like, right, I need to actually make the money first. So I was like, you know, how am I going to even afford to do this? So before I did all that, I went to Barclays Bank and set up a business meeting. I was like, right, I want to start this jeans brand. Um, so they're like, right, we need to obviously know how much this is all going to cost. Here's a business plan. You know, tell me how much, how much it's all going to cost line by line sort of thing. So that's why I then went away and thought, right, I need to speak to all these people to get the costs and stuff. Um, so then I went away um, for, took about six months, um, found a factory in Birmingham. So drove down to Birmingham. I just literally, I think it's the first time I ever went on a motorway. So I was like scared. I was like, shit, I didn't even have a sat nav. So, so I, was like, I was like, I'm out of my comfort zone. <laughs> like, like, it's going on the fucking motorway at like was this, was this in your McGann? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't tell a single person what I was doing for an entire 12 months. Like, no one knew. Like, my parents didn't know, brother, best friend, no one. Not a single person. I think that's a smart move. Not a single person. And then um, 
I went to, yeah, so I drove down the motorway, pulled up into this industrial estate in Birmingham, knocked on his door and stuff, and he was like, he probably just thought, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, just a kid in my guy, 19, like, what the fuck, sort of thing. And um, so I was just, I just blagged it pretty much. So like, look, I've got the money behind me. I've got like 20, 30 grand. I want to make 600 pairs of jeans. Would you happen to make the sample and we'll do it? I've got, you know, I want gas from jewelry short. It's going to be big. I've, I've got all these, inst- I, I know the, the, you know, I want to go down the whole Instagram road and stuff and, you know, it's going to be good. Um, so eventually it was like, yeah, right, we'll make you a pair of jeans and stuff. Had to think I had to pay like a couple hundred quid or whatever out of my salary and stuff to make the sample. So then he spent six months making the sample. I had to speak to the um, ISCO denim people to send the fabric I wanted to Birmingham to make so he could make the sample. Then he made this. We spent six months making the perfect sample. So I'd go back to Birmingham, try them on. I was like, yeah, this is perfect. This is the one sort of thing. And then um, it was like, okay, great. Well, this sandwich is going to cost to make these jeans. It was like, do you, do you remember the cost per pair back then? Fucking expensive. <laughs> it was like <laughs> twenty five pound. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a joke. Like, but that's why people don't manufacture in England because it's just so expensive. Unless like you're in sweatshops in Leicester or whatever. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Leicester. Yeah, which is not good. Um, I've never used them to clarify, but um, yeah. So obviously, you know, that's we ended up going to Turkey eventually, but. Um, yeah, £25 a pair, so expensive. That's why I originally had to price the jeans. Like, I think they were like £90 when I launched them because like to get a half-decent margin sort of thing. And I didn't even, to be fair, it wasn't even based on margin because I didn't know what margin was. I just wanted it to be more higher end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then... Um, which, I think, which I think in the initial period, because I remember back in the day, yeah. the, the jeans were like £90 to £100 a pair yeah, when they so first expensive. came out. But that sets an expectation yeah. for what your brand's going to deliver. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so... You know, the made the jeans. That was the bill. I think it was like ten grand, maybe. To eight, I don't know the exact cost of making it. Eight to ten grand, for example. And then, then I went to the obviously the website design people. They're like, right, it's going to cost you two and a half grand to make this website. And then I spoke to Gaz from George Shaw's manager because he started a brand called Eleven Degrees with. Uh, the owners of that so I was like I saw 11 degrees on Georgia Shores I was like fuck me this is so clever like they just literally bought their own clothing brand out it's got 11 on it he's promoting it all over Georgia Shores I was like this is so genius so I was like I knew like the Six Silks like the original people Jim Kings like these bedroom brands were all coming up at the same sort of time I was and Six Silk was slightly earlier um, so I, I knew that market was like I want to get into that market I know it'll work and then um, that's why I was like from day one Gaz from Georgia Shore has to be the face of the brand and I use influence marketing from in my business plan before we even launched in 2014 um, and then I spoke to Gaz was it, called, was it even called influencer marketing then or was nah, it it wasn't called anything it was just like just like it wasn't even a thing like I'll, I'll go into like influence marketing in a bit like the the, the stuff behind it but um, with um, yeah so I spoke to Gaz manager originally it was like no it's not for us sort of thing um, I was like oh fuck and I kept going back I kept emailing it's like just please think about it I promise you it doesn't clash with 11 because I had to convince them it doesn't clash with 11 degrees it's like bro it's just denim you don't do denim it's like you know let's let's do something eventually um, I remember it, it took a, about a few weeks for them to really come back and get on the phone again and I remember I stood at Vodafone on the shop floor at the front and uh, my phone started ringing it was his manager I was just fucking walked out of the shop <laughs> I didn't save didn't ask him I just walked out I went to the post box where the corner is and just picked up the phone on my, on my mobile and then uh, he said oh yeah right I've got the all clear Gaz has agreed to do it I'm going to send you over the 12 month agreement um, later on I was like okay sick perfect but then I was like fuck I still don't have any money <laughs> so I was like <laughs> <laughs> the invoice was just stacking up at this point so I was what, like what, what was the invoice for that I, uh, I think it was like 
two grand a month, I think. That's not even that bad. No, but this was But before. I suppose you, when you don't have any money. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, again, like, you know, I went home, I put my name on the contract, I signed it. I was like, I've just entered into a 12-month agreement for 24 grand to put my signature on it with no money. But I, because I spent ages convincing him to do it, if I turned around and said, oh, I don't have any fucking money, he's putting the phone down and then that's deal, that deal's done. So I... I Signed it anyway, and just because I, like I said, it comes back to that hope thing. I was like, I always knew I'd get the money somehow. It was all, it was all going to fucking pan out. It didn't even cross my mind, like you know, what if? I always just I what, was, what, what, what is it though that gave you that so much deep, mate. deep belief? It was just depression. I was just like, I've never experienced anything like in my entire life. Like that twelve month period, I was the most driven, relentless fucking person you'll ever meet. Like nothing was getting in my way from getting from making this thing work like I don't know what what it was I've never experienced it ever again in my entire life so it was just ridiculous amounts of drive and it was hope and you know you had no other fucking choice so you work a lot harder <laughs> naturally when you know the and alternative is horrible god yeah and, and you're not and when you're in a relationship and stuff you get comfortable and like when you're comfortable you don't want to push your bo- your mind and your body don't want to go into uncomfortable places so like I was pushed into so many uncomfortable places where I was just living like that twelve months, I was actually achieving stuff, living and like pushing myself to the absolute limits and stuff. Like, if I was in a relationship, I wouldn't be doing any of that shit. There's so, no chance. So, would you say then one of the key things for any entrepreneur to be is always in a more uncomfortable position than what they what they potentially could be? So, to give them that push, it's hard though because like when you're in when you're in comfort, like it's hard to seek not being comfortable. Yeah, it's difficult. Like it's really hard. But like I said, I was just lucky that you know. I was just forced into these, this this sort of like area sort of thing where I was just forced to do it. Um, so then obviously I went back to the bank and stuff. And then uh, I was like, right, here's the plan. Here's all the fucking money. I need 25 grand. It's all ready to go. Let's just, let's, let's go. And then um, they're like, yeah, nah, like, you know, we're not giving you the, the money sort of thing. Like you need a proper plan and all this stuff. So then they sent me a thing to go and speak to Virgin Startup Loans. Um, and then I spent a couple of months with, uh, woman there to like help me you know do my uh, business plan and stuff um to get a loan from virgin startup loans which with richard branson and then uh spent ages doing that and then they declined it i've still got the email from them actually just saying like your ashes projections are ridiculous like completely unrealistic and all this stuff and um which i think which, which i, I think, think even put, inspired like, you more didn't it yeah i mean even walking out of like all of the um business like the bank meetings and stuff i was like you know it didn't phase me in the slightest. Like, you know, fuck you, sort of things. Like, I honestly didn't get, don't care, sort of thing. I find, I always like, I always find the money, sort of thing. Um, so, so yeah, and then um, I literally reached a point where everyone was like hounding me for the money. I was like, right, Ash, we need the, we need the money. So I was like, versions saying no, got no bank. I was looking at online for any way of getting twenty five grand, and even fucking Wonga loans or whatever. Just <laughs> Wonga, I remember them. Yeah, yeah, just whatever. Just like, do they do it? Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. anyone. And then. Um, because I was really angry because I was like, I just wanted to do something for myself where I didn't have to involve anyone. And I just wanted, because my parents at the time, like very different people, like, you know, I'd, I spent, I'd go home after work and I'd go straight to my room sort of thing and just stay in there and just like, just focus on my work because we just think differently sort of thing. Like yeah, you, negative you, you, mindset and yeah. I'm not negative. I was like, they, you know, I, I remember briefly she hates me for saying this, by the way, because I want to bring it up. But there's this moment where I was like in the in the kitchen, and I've 
briefly mentioned something as a hint, like this is what I'm doing, and then she just said like get your head out of the clouds, sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, oh, fuck, like you no, know, like. I, but I get it because it's it's, a, it's an old mentality, and it's like yes, it is like very See, extreme sort of you, thing. Have you ever heard about? The, the the ant in, like the ant in the glass box so to speak you know it'll only jump as high as the ceiling yeah, or, exactly. or grasshopper yeah. it'll only jump as high as the ceiling I I had this my mum and dad are very like middle class yeah. people worked hard got nice nice homes nice things few different things but like I've got bigger aspirations than that yeah. and it's hard to not judge these your your mum and dad for no, their things them, yeah. but 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 but, but but yeah, so I feel what you're going through because I know how hard it is yeah. to, to do the, that. And at the time when you're like 19, you're just fucking angry anyway. You think the world owes you something. Yeah, and just like, it's because like I, I spent a year honestly watching the, the Wilson videos on repeat for, I, I know the words inside out, like it's just like constantly brainwashed by it. And like, you know, even the stuff he said, which is like all about like belief and self-belief and stuff like this tactics, he, like the stuff he says like, you know, like, I can't remember, like, exactly what he says, but in terms of, like, you know, back in the day when someone walked into a room and thought you could switch a, you know, a switch and a light would pop on, like, imagine hundreds of years ago if someone said that's possible. Like, no one would believe it's possible, like, bending a piece of metal and flying it into the air and you fly people over the fucking ocean. It's like, if you really, and I used yeah. to, I used that as, like, a things like, okay, I used to imagine things, like, imagine if I was put in charge of building a skyscraper or a building or a rocket, like Elon Musk or whatever, like, that is fucking hard. How hard's my clothing brand? Actually, it's not that difficult, and it's possible because if people have already done it, like there's clothing brands that exist, so it's possible. A human's done that, so I know it's possible. So I think people like they just tend to like put, if, like like my parents for example. If you believe it's not possible, then you you're right; it ain't possible in your own mind. But the people who believe it is possible, it is possible because they believe in it. So it's just like if you remove that belief from your own mind, then the fucking sky's the limit, sort of thing. But it's all down to your own mind. And you can be called delusional and stuff, but you have to be slightly delusional. Like do you, <laughs> you have to be, because obviously, in, with with ecom and ecom, such a pos, po, uh, like a popular vehicle for a lot of people these yeah. days to, to to make money. In your mind, you're always building a brand. Yeah. Right. Obviously, there are different ways of doing it. You can do dropshipping. You can do this. But from your point of view, is is it always about building brand from day one? Um, it's from from like the very start. It's difficult. Because you're not even because you if they're starting from like the very start they don't know what they don't know sort of thing so like you kind of just like right I'm starting a business there's so many fucking things involved things are flying around everywhere you're trying to figure it out and just go along and stuff so yeah brand plays a part in it but you're also focused on how to actually monetize this and actually start to make sales sort of thing so like for for me from my perspective like yes I was looking at brand because I realised I needed gas from Jewelry Shores from day one to be the face of the brand because it stood out like if I launched with my best mate or one of my friends just to put a pair of jeans on doesn't have that same connection doesn't have the appeal yeah is it fuck like it's just like who is it who's that like nobody is just like in terms of like being known but if you get it on a celebrity back then he's got two million followers on Instagram it's like well all of a sudden your brand stands out from the rest and that's what you know played a big part in the early success for sure do you think then that Obviously, a lot of people out there that are trying to start then in e-commerce should just start and not worry about whether it's a brand, whether it's dropshipping, but just start and learn the tech, learn 
go go and find some suppliers. Just try and throw a bit of stuff at walls because it, it they, they might not have the clear the clearest vision then that you had at the start. But but they can. But I, it's all about it's all about action, isn't it? It's, the best advice I get is start with as little as many as possible. Like you do stuff, you don't do stuff fancy. You do it as on the bare minimum. Don't start a website sell stuff off Instagram like until you start seeing money coming in because I've heard stories like people will speak to me and stuff oh, I've spent 25 grand 30 40 grand and it's made no money I was like you but, you, but you'd have no, but you'd have known that on the first thousand pound if you'd done it the way yeah, that you do, said do it slow just like yeah. I know it's counter predictive because mm. I didn't do it that way but it's a lot different it's fair it's hard because like it's hard to say like how do you start because like when I did it it was like my plan was okay I, I need you know I need to make the stock I need gas it comes to twenty twenty five thousand pounds sort of thing, and then I'm sat here saying do it for as little as possible. But it's also hard to try and find twenty like a lot of money. Yeah, and uh, there's and, gigantic risk. And, like, I could have spent the twenty five yeah. grand and might not have worked. Well, but, the ha- the hardest thing is is the fact that because you took out, I think you you said you took out a loan, didn't you? No, so it comes to the point where like I just couldn't get the money from anywhere. So then I sat my parents down. I was like, look, I've been doing this for twelve months. I've you know, I've showed them all the work. I was like, look, this is six up there doing this, you know, 11 degrees doing this. I've got gas agreed. I've got, I've spent, these are the jeans I've made. I've done this for 12 months. I need 25 grand. And they were like, fuck off. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like any parent would. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, you, yeah. you know, if you're a kid listening to this, go and ask your parents for 20 grand and see what they say. Like they're saying no. Um, and they didn't have the money. Like they were just like, look, Ash, where do you think we're going to magic 25 grand from? Like we don't yeah. have it. And I was like, and I knew they didn't have it. So, um, weeks went by. I've worked on my mum a lot more cause I knew she was like the, the one to get to sort of thing. So like to try and convince her and then she would convince dad, which is the stricter one. So, um, so yeah, I spent weeks just convincing her as much as I can. And then I remember a couple of weeks later, they both sat me down in the living room. And then they uh, said, you know, look, Ash, like, you know, I can't believe we're doing this, but we, we've remortgaged our house. So they remortgaged their wow. council estate house. And then, um, yeah, they got the that's 25 some, grand. That's some big balls out. They, could, they still now can't believe they did it. Like, they did it. And then, um, yeah, they, then they gave me the 25 grand to start and pay everyone. How much pressure did you feel knowing that your mum and dad had just remortgaged the house? Zero, because I knew it would work. Like genuine, and that's not me. Really? Yeah, that's not being me, me being arrogant, sitting there like oh, I'm God's gift. It was the drive I had from. You got to remember, I like to spend twelve. Who honestly would spend twelve months in my mindset and mind frame of being depressed, working at Vodafone, having no money? A twelve month period of actually believing that you know I'm going to do all this work. I've got no fucking money. Where am I going to get twenty five grand from? What's the point? Yeah. 99.9% of people wouldn't have even done that process of like having the self-belief to even know I'm going to get to the stage of getting to the point where you can ask for money. Because, you know, if, if I did it the other way around and said, mum, dad, I need 25 grand, I'm going to start the process. Zero percent chance that this heroin would have existed. But they've, they've seen your because hustle. Because I've done it, I've put in the work for 12 months behind everyone's backs and, I've, and they knew I went to every bank. I went to all these places. Like, I didn't even want to come to you. I've done everything I possibly can. I owe money to these people. You know, so I've put the work in first, and that was the difference. I can tell you now, if I didn't do that first, there's zero chance Harry would be at six. It wouldn't have happened. Like, it was because you've done the work first. Then they're like, okay, maybe you know, we've got something here. We'll we'll sort of do it. And so, 
So, what, did. so once you got that money, was was that money used to pay the first two months for uh, first few months for gas? Yeah, so we paid paid gas like the first month, two grand or whatever for the shoot and stuff, and then um, and then uh, yeah, paid for the jeans, and then uh, website being built. I probably, I, to be honest, I didn't need twenty for twenty five grand. I've, I wasted a few grand at least, or five grand on stupid PR companies, which just like was so unnecessary. Um, so yeah. That that's kind of how and we were you driving all sales at that point through organic? Um, yeah, so it's a bit of both. So luckily, because in the contract and stuff. Well, first when it was quite funny. So like when we did the first photo shoot with uh, Gaz, because I was because I watched Towie and George Shaw back then. I found out um, Mario Falcone from Towie, his girlfriend was a model, and you could book her. Right. <laughs> so I booked Mario's girlfriend at the time to model with Gaz from George Shaw for my photo shoot because I knew it would like cause fucking drama <laughs> like in the press <laughs> but it went bad because Mario was at the shoot as well he, he arrived with the girlfriend it all kicked off at, at the shoot it was like you, you know you're not you're not shooting and stuff like ain't ain't fucking happening they disappeared in the car for like an hour or two hours driving around and then we were like well are we shooting or what and then uh luckily guys at the time they drove off and didn't even like Tallers and stuff. They just they just left the the shoot, and I was like, "Fuck! This is my first ever shoot. Got no model. <laughs> just got Gaz." And then luckily, Gaz. Um, and this was, is all just just because Gaz would be standing next to his girlfriend. Yeah, like yeah, what were you asking the them shoot, to do? The shoot was very like it looked like a Calvin Klein ad. <laughs> like the way I wanted the brand right, back okay, then, it okay. was like she's in your underwear, he's got his top off with his jeans on, and it was like black and white, like very Calvin Klein sort of yeah image brand image back then. Um, so and then Gaz was like. Look, I've actually got a new girlfriend I'm seeing at the minute. We've there's no images of us being released yet. We've done a deal with like OK Magazine or whatever, but they haven't been released. So I'll ask, and she does modelling and stuff. So I'll ask her if she wants to come down. So then she luckily come down and did the shoot with us. She was in in London, so she we did the shoot with Lily instead of Mario's uh, model girlfriend. But that was my first experience at a shoot. <laughs> it, it felt like an episode of a uh, Towage. It, it, it was. It, it was, was wasn't it? Like, it was yeah. Drama from the time you. Yeah. Drama from the time you got in there. Yeah. So, and then obviously you used used all their photos on all the branding across the whole website. So, you, so you've now got your Shopify store. It's fully yeah. branded with photos of Gaz and this and the other. Yeah. Like, what do you just like? Did you just launch as soon as as soon no, as it so, went? So it launched about a couple of weeks later. Once everything like we've got all the images and stuff, and then Gaz it launched at like nine o'clock when George Shaw was on. I think, and then Gaz did his first post on Instagram, and then we sold what literally one pair of jeans at launch. So like what one pair we sold in total. But I bet that one pair that you sold then, obviously that's your first ever sale online. Mm. You're like, fuck, well that proves the concept at least. It went worse than I thought. I thought it was just going to be like a lot more than that because I was like, oh, fuck. And then it was like, that that period was kind of like tough. Like doubt did slowly start to seep in your mind. Like, you know, was I delusional to think and all this stuff like for for so long, like, like sort of this sort of stuff. But then, you know, Gaz started posting was like more regularly for us. Like it was like, oh, can you do, they were doing us favors. Like the, the management and stuff helped me out loads. Like in the early days, like they were like, well, cause whenever he did a post, like the catalyst was when we actually lowered the price point, like we managed to lower the prices. So we got the jeans down to about 55 pound. And then that made a gigantic difference. Like from going from, I think when I launched, it was like actually 120 pound for a pair of jeans. Yeah. But then when we got the price down, it's like 50, 55 sort of thing. Then we started to get way more sales. And whenever Gaz used to post when the jeans were 50 quid, then we'd make a lot more sales and stuff and drive a lot of traffic. Um, so, so yeah, it just started to, 
take off from there. And then, you know, the Geordie Shaw lot was on, um, on Geordie Shaw. And then they were stealing Gaz's jeans from his suitcase and stuff. And they were wearing all his jeans. And the Gaz was like, oh, we need more jeans, more jeans, because all my <laughs> mates are like taking them out of my suitcase sort of thing. So then they all started wearing it on Geordie Shaw. They loved the jeans. Um, and then they and started of course, to message me. free advertising. Yeah, point. then they started messaging me. as like, I'll oh, send us some jeans out, bro. And then I was like, yeah, sound, send, send the jeans out. And then, um, it, and then we did deals with them where Scott, Aaron, Marty and stuff would post on top of, as well as Gaz. And then it just started to snowball from there. So then how, how long till you hit like your first 100K in sales? Uh, I don't know the first, I know in the first year we did a million. Like in, in 12 months we hit a mil. Um, Bloody hell, I bet your mum and dad were so proud. <laughs> doing cartwheels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, how, how much did you give them back though? I did gave them the full, full amount back. Uh, well, you didn't give them no extra. Possible. I can't remember. I probably you... did. But then what I did was because that like they, I can't remember the cutoff point, but they eventually started to work in the company and stuff. So like you know they they could leave their jobs and stuff. My mum still does her, her job. She likes that. But you know they were doing the payroll stuff. So you know they were getting paid from the company. It was like they could work from home sort of thing. It was chilled out. And even now now I've like sold the company. Like they're they're both like retired sort of thing my mum still works because she likes working but yeah. you know I pay them like a like a payroll sort of thing like salary sort of thing yeah it's good man yeah it, it's nice when you can bring them in and it, and I just think the most beautiful thing about that is the fact of like because they saw you work even though your mum and dad mindset might have been limited from their environment they still saw that you had something more within you yeah. and they've and they've gone and they've remortgaged their house yeah that that's a testament to your mum and dad because that, that, fair play to them. that, that, that's, that that's, shows a hell of a lot of balls because because you got to imagine their their mentality and the same as yours. No, so I just think that, I just thought I'd, that's one thing that stuck out to me is something that's beautiful. Yeah, because not even into this day and age, I don't see many people's sons and daughters getting backed at that level in this country. Yeah, I just don't see it. It's hard though because like not, it's very hard. <laughs> like because it's. What do you throw twenty grand at? Like sort of thing. This is a lot of money. Yeah. So it's just it's just one of those moments where they just thought, you know, you know. Divine. I think they I think they briefly remember said they're like they said to themselves like what if, and I think that's what turned it for them. Like yeah, well, yeah, what yeah, if yeah. we don't do it? So they, they, they yeah. did. Do you think any part of that was because they were worried about your depression? They didn't know about my depression. They what they had no idea. Nope. It's ama- that amazes me because I read a quote about depression the other day and about suicide, and it was it said Ash that um, one of the hu- one of the highest one of the most often statements that's used mm. when someone goes and commits suicide is the fact of like we had no idea he was depressed. Yeah, you just don't like. It's weird because like it's happened like multiple times throughout my eight years at Hera, but. You're kind of like you isolate yourself, and you don't. Mate, it's so hard to explain because like it just takes over your head. You don't think clearly. I think the biggest thing is psychologically, it's so hard for humans to believe that someone would want to do that to themselves because nothing can be that crazy going on in their life for them to do something like that. So I think that's just a very hard psycho like psychology thing to even break down. I don't think you're gonna even. Tr- it's going to be very difficult even with all the stuff saying it helps loads that it's more talked about, but to get someone to even, it's just psychology with humans. Like I just don't, that's why I think it happens. I just think they feel like they just can't truly explain why they feel like that. And they want to kill themselves 
because of this because it makes no logical sense to the normal person did, did, you, did you feel at the time like you weren't worthy in some form of no life? I just lost me like this girlfriend broke up with me my whole life just it just wasn't the same like I don't know if it just I didn't enjoy not being with her at the time so it's just like it's so it's fucking mental looking back now because like in my mind where I'm now looking back it's like why on earth <laughs> would you even like yeah it makes zero sense but in the moment when you're that age and that's just the way my brain coped with it like I don't know why why it happened don't know why I took it like that it just that's just what happened and it was um it's just so difficult to explain like what it is but it's just you don't want to tell anyone you kind of just isolated and it's scary like it is terrifying no I, do, I, I, I really appreciate you talking into this because so many people that want to build things and there's so many people that listen to this podcast that struggle in different areas of their life that they're probably not talking about and it's nice for someone who's gone into the e-commerce space in the way that you've gone into it and then you can talk into the struggle yeah. of, of, of like even contemplating taking your own life I mean, that statement in itself is fucking, like, it just makes my heart jump just thinking about it. It, it It's it's something that more of us need to talk about more openly because there's been, I've never got to the depths that you've been to, yeah. but I've been on my ass twice in life, yeah. like where my back's been against the wall and I've been abroad on my own, no backing, no money, yeah. completely fucking broke on my ass. And you sit there and you cry and you feel like your whole soul's been taken from you and you don't know you don't know where the fuck to go yeah and and that's how i felt on a personal level when this when these kind of things happened to me yeah and i even remember like when it was like um you know when it when it was first happening and stuff with with the breakup and stuff i'd you know i'd go to sleep thinking about it just crying up really upset and then i'd i'd wake up for like 3 seconds i'd wake up and like feel slightly normal and then within 3 seconds I'd be like my brain would kick and was like, no, this happened. It's not a dream. This sort of thing. And I wanted it yeah. to be a dream. I didn't want it to be real. And then, um, yeah, just, you know, then you're just depressed all day. And then, but the, the one thing, what 1 million percent helped me get out of it is like you said, setting goals. The gym is the first thing I prescribe anyone is go to a fucking gym and eat properly, get a coach, train. And even like the online PT is not, because I know it's expensive and stuff, but even back then, you know, you can get like online coaches for like yeah. 30, 40 quid a month just for accountability sort of thing. Um, so that helped loads um, and then um, yeah it's just uh, you got to um, definitely th- like gym and stuff I think the key thing that where, where where potentially you potentially went wrong and where I've potentially gone wrong in the past is and hopefully this gives you guys who listen to this podcast a bit of an insight but when you put all when you when you p- place your happiness in something exterior, whether that's another person or a product or, or some form of materialistic good, when you once you put your happiness into that, you, you you've now disempowered yourself yeah. because because now that can go away. You can lose that Lamborghini. You can lose that blue tick on Instagram. You can that girlfriend can fuck off yeah. you know that person can die there's lots of things that can happen when you that's why you have to build that within yourself yeah and when you when you went to the gym ash and when you started to do things for yourself that's when you started to build that self-esteem that oh, self, massive self-engine massive like when you start seeing improvements in your body and stuff and like you sound really good it's just like your confidence just goes through the roof and then you just like forget about that and it, it releases natural endorphins by training eating properly and just having that 
goal like to strive for and it takes your mind off it um but yeah te- like it's it's funny looking at it it's like technically like you know i built hera i hera technically replaced my girlfriend <laughs> yeah, so it's like it was like yeah. i replaced it and put all my stuff in that because i knew you know i had sort of like control over my destiny with that like i can control that is not going to leave yeah. sort of thing and that and, and and that's beautiful that you said that too control over your destiny and that's yeah. what we all need and the way that and the way that we get the control is by taking ownership of ourselves and not trying to put put things into materialistic or other people because yeah. as soon as you do that you're on the highway to nowhere because yeah. one day you know if you put if you like you've got a beautiful lamborghini outside the house right now yeah if if you put any self-worth into that lamborghini and you get rid of it you've now lost a piece of your self-worth, but you don't have to lose a piece of your self-worth if you, if you build it from within. I think, yeah. that's, I think that's the most beautiful thing I've just learned from, from what you've just done there with, with yeah. the gym and everything. The, when you scaled it to a million, right, was there a lot of people at the time? Because obviously this is a, th- these bedroom brands, especially in the year 2015, 16, these bedroom brands were getting like astronomical offers. Were there people coming in with big amounts of cash saying, we'll so take this for a multiple? So in the first year, 12 months, we were just selling jeans so we launched in April 2015, just selling black pa- three pairs of black jeans, like different rips. That was it. Then it got to October. I then switched models to Leon Scott, who was one of the most, in my opinion, recognized models blowing up in the, in the industry at that time. Did six hook stuff. And then all of a sudden, every single brand was using it. <laughs> and then I, I really liked his look and his image and stuff for Hera. So model for Hera looked sick. And then I was like, I messaged him one day. I was like, Bro, would you ever consider like just going like just with Hera and just sign a contract with us and we'll just do it just as in you don't model for anyone else? It's like, oh, I don't know. It's something I'd, I'd have to think about if, you know, depending on like finances and money and stuff and all this stuff. So eventually like we agreed a, a, a fee. Do you remember for, what the fee was? I don't want to say just for his confidentiality and stuff, but it was a lot of money. Um, and then... We're talking six or seven figures? Uh, it'd have been six figures a year. Yeah, over over that. But overall, then maybe yeah. But um, yeah, so obviously we we agreed a deal with 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 Leon, and then become good friends over the years and stuff. And then um, yeah, he we had that exclusivity because back then I was like, why am I wasting all this? Like, I want that image just attached to my brand. If every other brand is using the same model and images, it takes away from Hera straight away. It doesn't. We don't differentiate. We're not different from everyone yeah. else. And it really, I think that was a very big turning point in. Hera's success is like having that image and it's very a unique I'd never thought look. about that until you just mentioned it actually I, I'm convinced by it like I know it's the Geordie Shaw and influences but I think Leon played a, a massive part in Hera like without a doubt like his that look and Stephen, J- Stephen James um, as well he's one of the ones if you look at Six Hill now he, they've used uh, Stefan James for like four or five years straight or, or whatever just using him really as the main campaign guy because you know it's a very unique sort of look and back then tan tattoos look sort yeah, of thing yeah. like Ka- Calvin cool. Klein I can't think of the names he's a very famous model I can't, his name's just gone out of my head but Calvin Klein did the same thing yeah there's this English guy that they use um, on the on the advert a very famous guy he's done a few podcasts and um, they just place you know when they go all in they go all in on a model don't yeah. they so they have they have a celebrity model and then they have the model model yeah. and they stick with that for yeah. like a number of years yeah. to hold the brand in to- like yeah, I, think, I think that i think you know it was it was like beckham and then it was ronaldo for yeah. the celebrity one and then this guy yeah it, it does make a hell of a lot of difference no, massively yeah it just separates yourself from everyone else Do, and so and these are just exclusive contracts that are put together yeah, it's just like exclusive, like, right, model for Hera, that's it, you don't model for any, any other brand. 
and then right. that that was it. And he he had us, you know, we only did two shoots a year, so, so it's like spring, summer, or, oh, or yeah. winter. So it was a sound job. Yeah, because <laughs> like, before he'd have to travel everywhere. Like he's like, oh, I've got to fucking go here, here, here. But with us, just like you know. So chill. his only job then is two shoots a year and to keep in shape. Pretty much, yeah. But then obviously we we'd become very close friends. Like it was like we we talk every day. He'd come down to Cheltenham like every other week. We'd go through designs and stuff. He it was very a part of it and stuff. And because um, he's got a very good eye for fashion and you know shout out to his new brand Fawn, um, what he's launched with his business partner, um, which looks really really good. And I think it'll do really well with him behind it because he's got a look for it. Like you know he knows fashion and but he used to get people from George Shaw messaging like does it do these outfits look good bro <laughs> like sort yeah, of thing because they'd yeah, go yeah. for him for like fashion advice and stuff and he loves his fashion so I think yeah. some people do just have an eye for that eye for yeah, that detail yeah, 100% I have no doubt then that all the stuff that he's putting into his new brand and the way that his new brand's blown up yeah. that that's come from the fact of maybe being around you and being around that creative process from the early days yeah learn, learn from stuff from that and it'll be off his own own stuff as well it's like a combination of both experience and stuff. Yeah, and perhaps perhaps the most pivotal point in his career was the fact that he signed that exclusive contract because that gave him the time to be able to be in the, to be involved in the creative process, which he was never involved in before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that. No, it all worked out. And then, um, yeah, and then that was October. And it's funny actually. Prior to that launch with Leon and the, we launched blue skinny jeans, dark blue and light blue, and different rips with Leon. And I got onto Dragon's Den um, a month. I think it was like two, I applied months ago, months before this event, um, went to auditions and stuff, had to go to BBC or whatever, do auditions and stuff. I got through the process. I was literally going on to live TV yeah, and then had the emails and stuff. And um, I launched the new jeans with Leon and then we launched it and we made like, I can't remember the exact number, but it was a lot like, 20 30 grand for example from that launch i was like okay i don't need dragon's death <laughs> so i cancelled so dragon's, sacked, sacked sacked dragon's death off how much were you gonna ask for it was about 25 30 grand and even uh, at that point i, I even messaged gaz because i've got the text now i was like i've um you know would you buy 25 percent of her for 25 grand and he didn't want to he just I, I think it's one of those things he was like back then it was like a bit of a risk didn't want to do it he got 11 degrees sort of thing but he didn't go ahead with it and then um went to obviously Dragon's Den and then and then obviously just launched myself and then just luckily it just took off loads. It 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 just amazes me when I sit and I talk to all these entrepreneurs like yourself at the serendipity of how certain things happen yeah. and how the kind of universe so to speak kind of kind of shines on you at different points yeah. in your careers yeah. and how these pivotal moments all come together yeah. and it's like you know I'm going here to look for 30 grand and then 30 grand pops up from here yeah. it's like it's just mad isn't it when you think about how how the world works and how yeah. energy works yeah and then even prior to that like you know the jeans were stocked in my uh grandparents bloody like they had a spare bedroom sort of thing, yeah. which was a lot bigger. So all the jeans were there. I used to go down to the house, pick and pack the orders. Um, used to my nan used to really make me get scissors and cut the straggly ends off the knees and stuff like the the thread and stuff, and then yeah. put them in a box. Went to the post office, posted them, and then um, and then we started to move it to my parents' house. And then I just remember it's around Christmas time where it's just like I think it was like November Black Friday. We we launched it, and then. Um, my parents' bedroom, like, uh, not bedroom, parents' living room just looked like a bomb at it. Like, it's just, like, parcels just stacked to the ceiling. <laughs> like, yeah. the, you couldn't see anything in the living room. <laughs> so, then, so, so, how much were you turning over when you were still in the house? I can't remember. I, I know from April, we, it was barely anything. 
May, June, July, August, it was like maybe a couple of grand a month, a few grand a month. And then it took off. I know it, it, it really took off in November and December where it made, it was from Leon, from October, November, December, where it really started to snowball. But because we launched in April, like the financial year is like April to April sort of thing. So from April to April the following year, January, February, March, April, then it really started to take off. So I think we went into like a 3PL probably in November of two thousand and. 14 because so i remember saying to my parents like man this is getting big i need to have there's this thing called a 3pl it's like they stock the stuff for you to send out and they were like no don't do it it's too much don't do it like it's too risky and all this stuff it's like i'm doing it so i just i did it because i was just new how team. much were a 3pl for like not a lot it's just nothing it's just like they, they stock your stock but um and then obviously you just pay you, you know you pick and pack prices and storage fees and stuff but it was like logistically it's impossible for me to print off all these orders, pick, pack, and then send them out constantly. I was like, get my friends over to like help me pick and pack <laughs> and stuff. It's just such a waste of time. But obviously you've got to do it in the early stages. But In your opinion? I did it at the exact right time because I remember like we did it and then a couple of weeks later we made tons of sales. I was like, you know, that's why I went. I told my parents, like, that is why I went into the 3 PL. Yeah, it was about yeah. to fucking blow up. <laughs> like, so, so how long should someone keep a brand in-house like at their home at their apartment at whatever until how many sales should they be getting through kind of or revenue until numbers? it's pissing you off like until like you'll know the time because i remember when i was doing all the customer service emails i was like i was like this is just nuts like I, i'd replied to someone they'd reply back and then you'd have another one it's just a constant cycle it's like i need to hire someone and then i hired my first employee and stuff to take care of customer service um but it's whenever it starts to like you it's whenever you can't keep on top of it, basically. Yeah. So when you're like, oh, you're missing parcels or like, you know, it's too much for you or, you know, it just makes no sense that you're, you're sat here printing out parcels and going to the post office with a massive queue or like customer service, you know, you're getting angry customers now because they're not getting a good response time. That's when you, you they'll know when it's the right time because you're just, you just, sort fit, of like, yeah. you know, it's like, I, I, you need help. I think with your, with your story, it's, it's, you've done it so organically. It's just yeah. kind of, it just kind of evolved as it's evolved. Yeah. Whereas, I think with these people that you're talking about earlier on the podcast where you talk about the people that have, you know, spent 25, 30 grand and then not even launched a brand yet. No, they did. They have launched, like, for example, they launched the brand and there's like, how much revenue you made? And they're like, no. And I was like, mm. it's heartbreaking because it's like, you've spent a shit ton of money. Yeah. Which is gone. And you've got yeah. nothing to like, get back. And that's what people do. But I think a lot of pe- a lot of people, even some people that might listen to this, might have that misconception mm. that you do need, because the, the 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 one the DM that I get all the time is I'm going to launch this business, and they talk to me about their website and their logo and all this bullshit. And I'm like, have you proven the concept yeah, first? Have you sold anything? If you've not sold anything, you've not even got a viable concept. That's why that's what I was trying to say earlier. I was like, you need to just try and get some sort of proof of concept first. And remember, you need to make sales and not piss money down the drain at the same time. Yeah. So like the most important thing is you need to start making money. So just focus on like actually seeing money sort of be generated before you carry on spending a lot of money sort of thing but as well what you need to remember is like I know I had in my mind no control over timing but looking back everything aligned like for me perfectly like I found a product which didn't exist in terms of like USP and there's a huge gigantic demand for it um and then you know influencer marketing was not anywhere near as saturated as now so it, you had a way, way bigger impact for a smaller amount of money. So for me to spend that amount of money on gas had a gigantic impact on the brand from day one. Whereas if I had that 25 grand today 
and spent on a two grand influencer who wouldn't do fuck all. So it's just like it's very different times and stuff. I, th- I, th- I think nowadays you'd probably allocate it on a TikTok star rather than yeah. you on an Instagram. Yeah, I tend to use TikTok over Instagram at the minute. Yeah, just just because of the reach. So you have to you have to change. You know, before that it was Facebook, and before yeah. that it was fucking something else. There's always know? the new thing, and you just got to find you, the new thing. Like, you, there's always going to be something what's new, and you just got to. I think I, I think you just got to position yourself when you've got a brand with where the world's going rather than where the world has already been. Yeah. And I think too many people are trying to start brands and trying to start things on where the world has already been and they're dropping a large amount of sum to try and go where the world's already been. Yeah. And, you got, and when you look at any people like yourself that have done well and done numbers and had hockey stick growth, yeah. they've always, even if it's just slightly, just been ahead of the curve. Yeah in terms of what they do and yeah. that's the difference because there could have been 16 different jean brands started after Hair of London yeah. that would have flopped on the floor because they just weren't first to market yeah. in that niche you don't even have to be it's not, being first obviously gives you a, a big advantage but you don't have to be first like it helps don't get me wrong but there's also brands which you know at the it was quite funny because like when obviously Hera brought out the jeans and stuff it didn't six months maybe 12 months then you start seeing like all the other bedroom brands bring out these jeans because you know i proved the concept and I, I remember speaking to like agents and stuff who managed six or 11 degrees and i was on the phone to them i was like you know like these jeans honestly they're going to be fucking massive like i want to work with you like get me into these part, like foot sign and whatever and then they were like you know jeans just kids don't want jeans like it's just not a thing like you know they don't have a logo on they don't they, they don't care about jeans like it's just not a thing i was like bro i promise you <laughs> It's going to be a thing, but they just didn't didn't want to do it, sort of thing, which is fair enough. And then, um, did you get shops reaching out trying to stop you? Oh God, yeah. Like in two, yeah, I think it was like 2016. I had, uh, top man, yeah, want to stop the jeans, which is ironic, <laughs> considering that I was a year ago. I was in Top Shop thinking, why aren't you making these jeans? And there's one of the thing Virgin Startblown said is like, you know, how are you going to compete with Top Man and Top Shop and all these big corporations it's like well yeah later they want to stock my jeans so yeah i had messages um they want to stock it asos foot asylum and all that stuff so uh, uh, after speaking with a lot of uh ecom brand owners like lately a lot of them are trying to get extra streams of revenue because yeah. uh, you know where whereas everything was focused on direct sales in yeah. the last say four or five years a lot of them now are trying to get on amazon they're, they're trying to get their brands into stores yeah. now as yeah. to diversify their streams of income it's it's because like back in the day when i was doing it like it was all the majority was like the the, the model was you know you, you make your brand you then get it into department stores they then sell your brand for you and that's how you but yeah. gatekeepers like you'd have to know people or whatever to to get in sort of thing and then instagram obviously came along and then you could you know use influencers and i spotted that i was like you know i think it goes back to like the control thing i didn't want anyone to have control over my destiny and brand and i didn't want a buyer deciding whether my brand was going to get stocked or not like i didn't because i'm very like i've always seen myself like an underdog sort of thing like it's hard for me to explain like what I'm good at but if you just leave me alone and let me do it I'll do it and show you sort of thing um so it's just like I didn't want to go into stores for that exact reason it was like a control thing I didn't understand why you just wouldn't have your own control of your own Shopify website I didn't get it you know I could get it on Gaz, Joy Shaw, Towie and all these influencers pay them we'd then make sales we get the money straight away so I'm not you know waiting for 90 day payment terms or whatever um and I just didn't get the margins like sort of things like I didn't understand because when I spoke to ASOS like you know 
you know, we take X amount. I was like, oh, that's fucking shit. For, 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 for it's like, why would I do that? It's like, when I'm making all this margin yeah, 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 through yeah. online, it made no sense to me. And it's expensive. Like, you've got to have the cash to even fund a store and stuff. So it requires a lot of money. Um, so, yeah, obviously stuck to the direct-to-consumer route for, throughout. Um, but to answer your question about, you know, now people are going into stores, which I, I, even myself, I, I'm like, yes, I'd go into stores as well now because, for one, it's like you said, it's another avenue of revenue. And to be honest, the margins are probably the same. Like, if you really take into consideration your fulfillment costs, your returns, your cost of acqu- acqu- um, acquisition, yeah, of customer. acquisition of customers is fucking expensive now. Like, with yeah. Facebook just going up and up. So it's like, well, actually, when you break it all down, you're just as, as good as going into a store. As soon as Facebook got rid of, like, Apple. or... The, well, as soon as the, the as soon as the pixel started getting you know, fucked, iOS stuff, yeah, yeah, well, all, yeah. With all the iOS, every e-commerce brand started going right. We've got to go into Amazon. We've got yeah. to go into stores because we've got to diversify our income. Because when someone looks to acquire the brand in the future, when it comes up for future sales, if you've just got all your money coming from one, that they, they they won't they won't value you on a higher multiple. And, and it's actually funny if you the whole direct consumer thing. It's kind of a load of bollocks anyway because really do you own your customer shopify owns your customer like your all your data is on shopify that's a company like you're you don't own shopify <laughs> like you're using a, the platform on shopify to hold all your data what happens if something happens to shopify not saying it will but what yeah. if they've disappeared all your data is gone and your website's disappeared um and then you know and you know the, the person who owns your customer is really facebook and instagram so like what happens when these brands, you know, have their ad account turned off and there's no traffic to their website anymore? The brand and, goes to zero. I've had dropshipping brands, only small ones, but it's like I've lost them because the Facebook ad account goes down. Yeah. And it's like it, they it, they kill you for so long. It's it's so hard to go and get these new aged accounts up and running and this, that, and the other, and the cost of buying them and all this other shit that you have to go through. It's like, is it worth it for a brand that I'm not even passionate about? Online is scary because it's like, yeah. well, really, you've got Insta- influencers, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Google, yeah. which are obviously still they're massive. massive, powerful tools and stuff, but it's scary that you're actually reliant so much on these companies well alex homosi said something really good the other day that i that i tuned into and it really hit my ears and um he said and i thought this is brilliant it's like he goes i just focus completely on product and service and everything else and i and i make the experience so good and so flawless that people will then recommend it and you you can grow you can grow it and and until i've grown it and as much as i can organically and with and with shareability in terms of content until i've grown it to a maximum capacity there i won't bring on paid ads yeah and it's like it's like that's that's kind of because he because i I was reading he was he said he spent he spent seventy thousand dollars a month us producing content right doing what he's doing yeah. but he gets t- but but if he paid for the same reach um in terms and, and amount of impressions yeah he'd pay two million dollars in ads yeah probably yeah so so like that just proves proves the concept that if you you know you've got to design your design what you're doing to to serve the customer more rather yeah. than just trying to scale the fuck out of it yeah yeah <laughs> and moonshot it yeah it how when you Obviously, you'd, you'd been offered these stores. You've refused to go into stores at this point. You've scaled the brand up a few more million. Yeah. When did the first offer come in to buy the company? Uh, so it was two thousand late two thousand sixteen. Um, had a letter through the my parents' house, which was the, where the company was registered to, and uh, my mum gave me the letter, and it was from a 
uh, Levi Strauss, <laughs> so, uh, which is obviously one of the biggest denim brands in the world. Um, and then they basically just said we infringed on their red label tag label um, because obviously I didn't know that. You know, we, we basically put a black tab in on the back pocket saying Hera on, on the jeans. And then apparently like, you know, they've trademarked that tab, like any tab in any shape or form on the on your back pocket no one else in the world can do that so yeah they fa- found the website and stuff and then wanted to pursue like legal actions so, so so this wasn't an offer to buy you this was uh, this was to sue you yeah like this was from levi's yeah, yeah so yeah. they wanted to like just you know basically just like sue <laughs> and then um then yes yeah, so that was a horrible process because like you know they you know even though you're from a bedroom and stuff like they still the majority of companies don't give a fuck. Like, they will shut you down, like, without a doubt. And, you know, you can give them the stories and stuff and all this stuff, but they still wouldn't go away. And then um, went to Cheltenham, got, like, a legal guy who was just complete shit. He didn't, well out of his depth looking back, didn't know what to do, really. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, looking back, the advice I was getting off him was nuts. And then... Um, <laughs> what advice? He probably didn't... He's, he's probably never had Levi's at the door. <laughs> was, he go- was he Googling? Probably. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I then I... Um, it was all at the same time because I was getting these offers from all these companies and my gut was don't go into them because, you know, you're better off online, just stay online, you control it and, you know, dilate your brand and all this stuff. And I was like, I just want to get some clarification from someone in the industry that I'm doing the right sort of thing. So then I reached out, I managed to get in touch with Julian Dunkerton's PA or something. I don't know how I got in touch with Who's that? Uh, owner, founder of Superdry. Right, okay. Lives in Cheltenham and stuff. Um, so I was like, oh, you know, I really want to meet him. So managed to set up a meeting with him, went to his office and then um, just had a chat and we got on really well, loved the story and stuff. He, obviously, he was aware of Hera and stuff, seeing it around and stuff. Um, got on really well and stuff and then um, then obviously, we he was like, oh, you know, let's go for dinner like the ne- next day or something. We'll just uh, come to 131 and whatever. We'll just have another chat and stuff and uh, he was just like, in the, in the first meeting, it's like, you know, it'd be, I think what you need is just me to like mentor you sort of thing because I can see it myself in you sort of thing because he started when he was like 19 from nothing from a market stall in Cheltenham so yeah. you know I've come and spoke to him and said what I've done and stuff and then uh yeah I went for dinner with him the next day and then um just started chatting again and yeah and then we just got onto the conversation of you know obviously I told him about the problem with Levi's you know they want like six figures in terms of like payment to go away and then um and then uh yeah the he offered to like we were talking like he wanted to like put an offer into like you know potentially buy buy a equity in the company and stuff. Um, so we, we carried on talking and stuff over, over the weeks and stuff. And then uh, they offered. There's a lot of back and forth and stuff because like, well, before we even got to the price and stuff, it was like, okay, we need to get rid of Levi's first. So they helped me out with their legal team, and then um, they got rid of Levi's sort of thing. So literally, like the legal team just sent a letter back and they fucked off. It was quick. Like it was like they know what they're doing there. So like it was like a few phone calls or whatever over a week I think it took. And then, you know, we got a settlement a figure right down into something more realistic. It was still expensive. Like I, I did I, I can't remember the exact amount, it was six figures. It was you, like you had to settle with them. Yeah. So you paid them off? Yeah. But wow. thank fuck we were making money. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you were turning <laughs> like, over what, one, two, three mil at this point? At that point, I think when I was talking to Superdrive we were doing three million. In rev, in yeah. revenue, and what was the yeah. profit margin on three million per year? Um, 
at that time, I couldn't even tell you because I didn't know. I did zero. I didn't know what finance was. I, I didn't know what a margin was. I wasn't, I didn't even think about it. I was just lucky that my accounts were all over the place. I just had an accountant chat on him. The quarterly would come. I had no monthly management accounts. It was just like, yeah, fucking not organized at all because you d- you know I don't know any of that stuff. So you need just, to be monthly to even know where you're going. Yeah, now yeah. looking now, it's the first thing I teach anyone is like finance and numbers and and all this stuff. But looking back then, it was like I didn't even know what margin meant. So um, it's just lucky that I was buying it for X and selling it for Y, and luckily the numbers stacked up and my expenses were lower than you know my my. Uh, so it's, it's just profitable, sort of thing. And then um, yeah, and then they sort them out. They went away, and then. I had a phone call with Julian. I remember it was at a Drake concert actually, and then got the phone call. It was like, okay, right, we're going to offer. I think it was like thir- they wanted to buy thirty percent of the company. They were yeah. going to give me a million into my bank personally, a million into the company to for working capital, and then if we hit six million, they'd give me another mill, and then personally, and then they'd put another million into the company, which was looking back, a fucking sick deal, <laughs> mate. I, mate. I'd have fucking snapped his arm off. Yeah. Because the mentorship, the mentorship on, 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 on that, you know, do you know, is massive, man. Yeah. When you think about what he's achieved in business. Yeah. So I, this goes back to being inexperienced. I didn't understand how to value a company. And back then I was basing it off, well, no, actually, you know, I'm doing 3 million. It's worth way more than that to me, sort, sort of stuff. And, I don't know. I don't even know why. Like, and there was obviously other elements. I was like, <clears throat> you know, I was nervous about, you know, going into um, business with like a bigger corporation sort of thing because it's completely different. Like, do you, you, know, th- do you <clears throat> think the do you think the the real root reason is because you're you are now attached to Hera like you were previously attached to the girlfriend? Um, I th- yeah. There's a lot of psychological reasons. I think I was always scared of like letting. Letting go. go of it, but um, and then um, just trying to think like the times of all. So like, yeah, at, at that point, it's two thousand sixteen. Yeah, it wasn't at that point. Um, yeah, and then it just didn't didn't work out. We just like decided, just like you know, mutually, it just wasn't a thing. But you know, looking back, as like you know, luckily it didn't happen because Julian, you know, it was all public and stuff. Like went through a lot of shit at Superdry. You know, they got a new CEO. Uh, Hewan from the co-op fucked the company up like publicly like I'm not saying like it went to shit but I'm just saying like publicly it was a disaster um, he Julian then ended up getting removed from the company so you know I've gone in with Julian to a company you're now out the fucking company so imagine yeah. if I sold I'm now in with these lot who don't know how to run super dry what would have happened to Hera yeah they'd be like mm, actually you know they could have got rid of us or whatever and then happens to so many brands happens to so many and one of the questions i asked student at the time was i was like what happens if you leave so i, I was aware of the risks as well of, of that sort of stuff but you know all this stuff would go on and then obviously luckily eventually over time he managed to get back into the company because i think the board voted him by like one percent extra or something so he got back into the company and then Hugh and left uh, but that took a long time i think that was like in 2018 i think like he left Superdrive for like a year or two years, I think. It's quite a long time. Yeah, and I think that brand, the brand and the, and the quality of the brand went right downhill over that period. As yeah, well. it's like, I think their model was just like, copy the fast fashion brands, let's just use that yeah. model as successful. But then Julian's more of like, you know, it needs to be higher gross margin, off sale, which is the correct way to do it. <laughs> In terms of like, 
models and stuff being a premium brand if you're going down the fast fashion route road and stuff um, road like like your boohoo's and stuff like you've really got to have like your fucking factories like next you, to you and low low products and super dry was not that like super dry was known like you said for premium quality clothes well I've, I've i've still got a coat <clears throat> an original jacket from yeah. super dry in, in in my wardrobe in australia and the quality of the original gear that they used to put out was phenomenal yeah man. was phenomenal quality yeah Amazing. And I don't wear it. I think everyone had a super dry coat at school. Yeah, it's, it, it, I it's don't. Wear, I don't wear it, but yeah. I just, I just like the branding of it. Yeah, and it's like kind of a timeless piece. I just wanted to keep it for nostalgic reasons, but yeah. I just remember the quality of it and how and how. I and think how they sold over like a million of those coats or something. Yeah, like they sold crazy amounts. I had the limited edition white one with the black Japanese writing with yeah, the super yeah. dry on. That's yeah. the only one I got. I've not got like a, a multicolored one, but it just a, it was just it was a sick brand when it was original. That was massive. Like it, I think it got to like a billion, didn't it, or something? And even now it's doing hundreds of millions. Yeah, so I think like, I think they're rec- <laughs> I think they've I think they've had a bit of a resurgence because uh, the reason yeah. I know that is because when I um when I before I got into online world and working online, I used to yeah. fit out shops. I had yeah. a shop fit out um like just self employed fitting yeah. out shops all over Australia. One of the shops that I fitted out was Super Dry. Oh, okay. So when Super Dry went as a brand into Australia, I was yeah. fitting it out. So yeah, yeah. I, it, it's, it is definitely definitely on a on a resurgence. Yeah, but, more percent. But, but but not but nowhere near our youth days. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. But then, then obviously you refuse this deal. You go down the track. You get you get you do eventually sell the company. So actually jumping back because I that's why I pause here because I'm trying to marry them all up because it's like there's so much what's happened so like <clears throat> it that the talks with Superdry went on for like a few months like originally it was like you know turn them down and then we got into Selfridges around the same time so when it, I got off from Selfridges like yeah 1 million percent it's the only store I'd ever want to go into because like and I, my whole model was like I don't want any stores but when Selfridges wanted it I was like I love that store it's an honour to even be in that store yeah. sort of thing so I was like yeah 100% did that and then um at the same time, so I had two like sales agents in my company. So like, um, they're the first real people with business experience because I was just it was just me and a few mates uh, running it and stuff. So out of a house as well. At this point, we had like a, a little office in Cheltenham, but it was just enough, just a little office. And then, um, and then, yeah. So these basically, I had a, I've had a phone call. Um, it's just random number. It's like, oh, it's so and so, like, I've been passing number on from someone from ASOS. Like, I phoned the woman from ASOS, like, is this genuine stuff? It's like, it's just like, yeah. So then they come down to Cheltenham, had a meeting with them. They come into the, um, that they, they just kind of just got into the business, like, just kept doing meetings and then advising you on certain things. And before you know it, they're sort of part of <laughs> the company sort of things. You're kind of listening to them. They helped me, you know, get into do the Selfridges stuff and, and all that stuff. So it was like, there's trust being built. Was this, was this the Selfridges people? Yeah, so I don't want to like, I'm not going to say any names and stuff, um, but yeah, so like, it wasn't anything to do with Selfridges, these were like separate um, these were wholesale sep- agents. Separate wholesale agents that ho- that that help you get into Selfridges, so so that, so that basically what happened was then, just so, that, just so I'm clear on this, is the fact of like, they they came in saying, we're going to get, we're going to put you and place you in, we can place you on on, on Selfridges, and you were, and you were kind of bamboozled. Well, originally it was, they phoned me up saying we got top man interested in your brand, and this is why I'm trying to marry everything up in timeline. So they said top man and then I was like, no. And then I kept saying no to like ASOS and stuff. And then they're like, what about Selfridges? I was like, yeah, I'll go into Selfridges. And then we did a deal with 
the agents um, a commission basing which is generic um, to obviously do that so then I was being advised by them and this was like early 2016 so this was pre that super dry deal yeah so they were in this 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 right so they they were in the company at this point and then um had a good relationship with them you know the to your face they're just like nice people <laughs> so it's just like you know you get on with them and stuff you listen to them they got you know one of them had a very good background in in the industry so it was like no it's not like joe blocks like he had a background and then um and then i told them about the super dry deal and then all of a sudden like you know ah oh, don't do it like you know you know the scaremongering sort of stuff like you know that you lose control of your brand that like you don't need to do that and I was like no I want to I do want to really look at the super drive thing and then um I kept talk, like obviously just going back and back and forth and stuff and then um and then uh he and then they were like um mine's gone blank um we can edit this bit yeah, yeah no he's mate you get yeah, go for it yeah mine's gone blank um let's have a drink of water a bit Mate, it's it's difficult for you to so much to process, so, so much to process, and and obviously this is the first, the first podcast that, you, that you've been on. Yeah. And before you go into it, just just to just to give the audience a bit of a understanding. <clears throat> obviously, I I I knew Ash's story was phenomenal, and I've obviously reached out to you a few times to get you on here to do yeah. this, and I know how hard this is for you to to do because yeah. of you know to come onto a podcast your first one after doing so much and having such a turmoil story which we're going to go into yeah it's it's difficult mate it's difficult yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion attached to it you know yeah. talk talk i just want to say full at this point full credit to you for coming on here and distilling the you know the learnings that you've had from being you know that having those suicidal thoughts and being in the depression and you know <clears throat> The story you're going to go on to tell from here, I know how hard it is for you to do it, mate, because of everything, yeah. everything that's gone on. But I'm so, as I sit here this far into this podcast, I can't tell you how pleased I am that I kept berating you to do yeah. this podcast because, yeah, man, there's so there's so much in this for any young entrepreneur to learn or any, anyone in business to learn or anyone who's out there who's fucking struggling. There's so much in this for you guys to to pick up and 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 kind of understand your life and how perspective. So, yeah, yeah. Man, credit to you, man. So, yeah, it's come back now. It's like speaking to the agent stuff. And they're like, you know, I was going to, I was swaying a lot towards Superdry and then they're like, you know, just before we make decisions, we just want you to meet this one person. I've set up a meeting with you. He's in London. Just come to the meeting to see what you think. So went to their offices. Two of them, the two investor guys were sat there and then they're chatting. And they were just like, you know, you know, don't do not do super dry. We, we've been following you around. We love you. We love your brand. It's going to be the next massive thing in, in the UK. Like we see it now and all this stuff. And, um, you know, and then, uh, and then, um, you know, and all this spiel and stuff. Um, and then they were like, you know, we manufacture all the super dry stuff. Like we're going to do, we can do all your manufacturing for you. We'll literally, we don't want any equity. We just want to give you the money to fund you. And then you just pay us back the money. And then I was like, okay, well this sounds quite good. Cause it's like too, sounds, good, too sounds, good to be true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then I remember being on holiday, just thinking it all through and stuff. I was like, cause how much was the money? So we're talking multiple three mil. Right. Okay. Three million. It was so all in all, when it all, when the bill comes to the end, it was three mil. But the problem, so like I said, I went, I 
chose to go with these guys. So like, I keep 100%, I keep full control, which was a doubt in my head at the same time. So I was like, you know, fuck it, let's go for it. And you know these guys were credible. Like they weren't just you know they they were. And they get they, they, <laughs> they get credible. The, and, like, and what kind of contract did they offer you? There's no fucking. This is the bad thing. There's no contract. Like there was zero contracts at all for. So this was August 2017. So they so, so, so just so I'm straight. They just put three million with no contract, three million pounds cash into your business. No. So so what they did was extremely fucking smart and clever like it's nuts so so like basically what happened was they control the manufacturing so you know they they sort all that stuff out so the two sales agents they were on commission because the two sales agents set this deal up so they put in the contract we want 10% commission of whatever you manufacture with these guys so they were financially incentivized to make as much fucking stock as possible and to get as much financing as yeah. possible because they're going to make more money. Yeah, 10% of three mil. How much is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's 300, 300 grand. grand. Yeah, 300 grand for staff that you're already paying. They would, they were just sales, they were just the agents. So like yeah. They were going to make 300 grand from this one transaction. You know, it's probably the most money they've ever made. So it's just like, um, so they, so, so we spent August 2017 all the way up until no, it's probably earlier than that it's probably like. July, so like July, August, September, October. We had four months to make all this like stock and plan it. So we we made all the stock and stuff. Um, the two sales agents were like doing the buying with us and stuff, and like guiding us and like thinking like, right, we need to order this amount, this amount. We've got you a three million pound credit limit. Let's just fucking use it, sort of thing. So I was like, because. I never knew where the ceiling was with Hera, like because we would sell out constantly. Like, ah, so they, they they didn't give you three mil; they gave you a three million credit line. Credit line, right? I understand now. Credit line. Yeah. So you know, because with me, like we used to get jeans back in 2016, mate. Like we would order like eight thousand jeans or whatever, and they would sell out on pre-order. So people would wait four to five weeks. They'd they'd be, they'd pay us fifty quid and wait five weeks for the jeans, and then the jeans would arrive. And then they'd be sold out sort of thing. And then we'd always be behind. So like we never knew the ceiling of where Hera would be sort of thing. But, you know, they, any buyer in the, in the world with half a brain cell would look at, look at obviously our reports on Shopify, do the data, look how many customers we got and think you've got no acquisition strategy. You're not spending anywhere near, near enough on acquisition. There's no way in how you should be even going anywhere near three million pounds of stock. It's ridiculous. But I didn't have the knowledge I had back then, like at all, I didn't know any of this stuff. I told you earlier, I didn't even know what margin was sort of thing. Like, it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I wasn't, didn't go to business university or school. Just no, like, you, I just, just fell into you, it. You just learning on the job. Yeah. yeah learning as you go along, but then you're being misled by people like that. So, you know, they filled the three and because as well, like all this stock was being made for Christmas and November, Black Friday. So like, there was a lot of like, for me, it was like, oh, you know, you know, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll do it like Black Friday, Christmas, like, you know, we should, I guess we'll sell it. But obviously not knowing the numbers, like it's never going to stack up like in a million years. So you manufactured then three million dots? No, so it was two million, it worked out about two mil net. And then obviously on top of that, you've then got your import costs and you've got your freight bills and stuff. So when it comes as an overall, it's like a lot of fucking money. But, so we did a photo shoot with Sphere Ritchie, spent 120 grand just on that one photo shoot with, with her to be the face of the brand. Um, spent all this money uh, promoting the date of the launch and stuff for all this new collection to go live. 
And then uh, a week, I think it was seven days before all the stock was supposed to, I think it was about two weeks before the stock was supposed to arrive into the warehouse ready for this first of November launch, had a phone call from them. It was like, oh, look, Ash, like, you know, we're having a bit of a slight delay and everything, like just, you know, we're trying to go as fast as we can and all this stuff. But, you know, I really think we should just, you know, go ahead with the launch just so we don't get behind on time launch it put it on pre-order your stock will arrive five days later we'll get it in straight away and we can send the orders out i was like because we, we already did pre-orders and stuff with the jeans like okay yeah that makes sense we can we can do that as long as it is in by the date you're saying it's in so then that all happens and then the, the stock arrives at uk customs it's like you know arrives in the uk all this well yeah. half of the stock not all of it like they had the they had their vat on don't they yeah <laughs> And then they were like, oh, have you got the VAT, VAT money? And I was like, well, no, I thought this was all like included and stuff. So I was like, and then, well, actually, prior, prior to that, when, when all the stock arrived in customs, I had an email come through, 60-page contract. Yeah. And, and 60-page contract. I was like, tell me you read that. So a week, no, two days before that contract come through, I went to cinema to watch the founder film. And I watched Ray, it. Ray Kroc, yeah, Got yeah. fucked at the end. Where he didn't, he did it on a handshake and he's yeah. lost out on like 1% royalties for life at McDonald's, whatever the deal was. And I walked out of that, I was like, fuck me, like that's next level, like fucked up. And then that played on my mind and then two days later I had this contract <laughs> land in, in my email. I was like, I just skimmed through it and there was just like seeing words like IP and all this stuff and I was like, what's IP? Like I didn't even know what IP meant, like trademarks yeah. and stuff, I didn't know it. And then, um, I spoke to my sales agent on the phone. I was like, you know, what the fuck is this? Like, you know, you've lot kept quiet for five months. We've been talking. You've made all this fucking stock and you land. You've made, you, you've, we've put all the stock on. The, the stock's gone out. We've sold this. We've sold thousands and thousands. It was like 5,000. I don't know the exact number. But it was a lot on that launch. We, we sold it on pre-order. So, so what got, was it? What was it revenue wise to the business? I can, I can, um, just going. Are we talking a couple of million sales or? Yeah. So going. I can't remember how much we did. Say, say the average order value is like but, fifty but, quid. But if you but if you'd ordered like two and a half, three millions yeah, worth of stock, you, you'd, you'd, I'd presume you would have sold five or six million pounds worth of goods, right? Over, I'd, I'd go into it like when I go go through it, it's trying to piece it all together. So like when we we say we sold say four thousand orders on pre-order, yeah, you know four thousand times the average order value was fifty quid. So it's, let's say, I don't know if it's the exact numbers, but, you know, there's 200 grand on yeah. like, the first couple of days or whatever. Yeah. And then, um, and then you know, I spoke to the sales agents, like, like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is just dodgy. Like, alarm bells ringing. Like, and then they're like, no, no, we've read through it. Like, it's all fine. Like, don't, like, you know, and I was like, I'm sending it to my solicitor and he's sending it to a lawyer and, you know, all the fucking orchards fuck now and all this stuff. I was kicking off like crazy. And then um, they're like, you know, no, 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 we've read through it. It's all fine. I was like, and it's just, just, they're just like, sign it, just, it's fine, like, I promise, just sign it, and then we can just get the stock moving. Being blackmailed, it was just like, you know, they knew the pressure, it was timed to perfection, it was all done strategically, Whereas like, I've sold 4,000 plus orders on the thing, we're getting backlash from and customers. I, and I've got 2 million, 2 million pounds worth customs. of stock at customs, yeah. and the 2 million pound, I've got to put VAT on top of it. Yeah, and it's <laughs> all like, going on, and I've got bills to pay, expenses and stuff, and then I was like, oh my God, and then I sent the contract to my sister, and he was just like, do not sign this contract, do not fucking put your pen anywhere, 
near this contract and basically the terms were fucking stupid like they were like if it arrives late damaged or faulty they are zero liable there's no liability on them whatsoever and the full balance of the three million is due within 30 days or they take full ip of the company so what essentially what they did then yeah they're trying they're trying to put you into three million three debt. millions worth of debt yeah. so that they could just take your company and take your brand off you yeah and that was the way and that was the way that they're acquiring the company yeah but and the only thing what went wrong in their plan which was so perfect is they fucked with the wrong kid simple as that they fucked with the wrong kid like oh, i was not stupid and naive. like that i they did not expect me not to sign that contract and if I'd have put my pen on that contract and just signed it, they'd have taken that company there and then, like within that 30-day period. And it gets worse. So like, I didn't sign it. We had massive arguments going back and forth. I remember having board meetings with them, just fucking, it was like, I knew the sales, the two sales agents were not on my side, but I went along with it because I needed them as leverage for me to get to them. So like, it was me, two sales agents, them lot, the two investor guys, me on, on my own against all them lot and then trying to work out this fucking mess they were like we're not sending the stock unless you sign the contract i was like i'm not signing the contract you can shove the stock up your ass and then eventually they were like i didn't budge so i was like eventually they 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 sent the stock into our warehouse and then the stock arrived into our warehouse and i went down to the james and james it was like hour and a half drive because i wanted to try this stuff on went in put the stuff on t-shirts hoodies jumpers all fucked they were not sellable. Like, they were massive. Like, an extra small was down to, like, your kneecaps sort of thing. Like, it was just, like, nothing was made correctly and stuff. And um, so did you sign, send over, se- like, sealed patterns and stuff like that? Yeah. So, sealed samples? Yeah. So, like, we, th- this is, I'll, I'll go into, like, this in a minute with, like, the, the next stage and stuff, but it helps us out all this stuff and with evidence and shit, of course, yeah. and stuff. Um, so, so, yeah, so... You know, they sent the stock in. I went fucking ape shit. I was like, could my life get any worse? Like, everything's going wrong. I was like, I'm getting thousands of complaints all over Twitter, Instagram, saying where the fuck is my stuff? Because this was probably three to four weeks gone. They still haven't received their order. So we're getting annihilated all over the internet. And then eventually when the stuff comes, I'm like, how am I supposed to send this stock out? And that stock was due in salvages as well. So like, you know, I said to them, like, this ain't good enough. Like, this is bollocks. Like, this is not... <laughs> It's stupid, and then we we ended up we had to we sent we had, we had to send the stock out. Like we sent sent all the stock out because we had no choice. It was like, well, if they send it back, they send it back. If they don't, if they want to keep it, they keep it, sort of thing. So then the majority of it got sent back to us. So our fulfillment bill was through the roof, returns through the roof. We spent months selling everything at like virtually cost price, almost a loss. I think our accounts we made a gigantic loss in that year. Like, I don't know the exact <laughs> numbers, but it just completely fucking decimated my business. Like, completely. It, it was just, a fucking it mess. It just goes to show you, doesn't it, how... It was an absolute mess. How who you get into bed with in business. It was a fucking mess. Like, it's, and how did you feel emotionally at this point? Like, because obviously you've got so much <clears throat> love for something you've crafted out of your bedroom. Yeah, so this is where, like... I became suicidal again. So like, it was like, because it's all linked. So I got through like, the November stuff was like, fuck, like this is really tough. Like every single day, it was just a nightmare. Cause it was like, I've got these extremely professional people trying to steal my brand off me every single day. Like legal letters, legal, everything, like throwing everything at it. Like, you know, you owe us the money, where's the money, blah, blah, blah. It's like, 
hang on a minute, you fucked up. <laughs> Nothing fits, and you've sent it weeks late, and it's, you know, there's no contracts and everything. It's like a load of fucking bollocks sort of thing. So, um, and then obviously I was like, well, hang on a minute, all the stock's getting returned, you know, from the customers. So I was like, well, you know, <laughs> what's going on here? Like, how do I all this all this money when all the stock's being returned and you've messed, completely destroyed my brand's reputation? Um, so, yeah, it just ended up in a, one massive legal battle. So, and it was from... Obviously, I went through this from November, December, January. So from those three months, it was just a mess, just trying to figure out the business, trying to keep that afloat, trying to keep the customers half happy, trying to keep them a lot happy. And I was like, okay, they were coming after the money. I was like, right, how do I get out of this? Like, how do I logically get out of this? And the money what was coming in was nowhere near the three million spent because we our brand was not big enough to even you know sell that amount of stock. Um, our bills are going through the roof in fulfillment bills, returns, everything was a mess. Um, and then we were just paying them, you know, as much as we sort of could, a couple of hundred grand or whatever, or 200 grand. And then, um, and then, uh, sorry. And then um, I was like, you know, how do I get out of this sort of thing? So I was like, I spoke to Julian, phoned him up. I was like, do you know these guys? And I was like, straight, I was like, fuck. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, he knew him in like the industry sort of thing. And um I was like, okay, I've got, you know, went for another meeting with Julian and I was like, you know, do you want to do a deal again sort of thing? So then this went on for like a couple of months. I was like trying to hold these guys off saying, look, I've got to deal with Julian stuff. We're going to sort out. You're going to get your page your money. It's all fine. A couple of months went by and then it's like the delay tactics started to get involved and stuff. So it started to like, Julian started to like, you know, delay things because he puts you under more pressure with them. It's just a, business strategy sort of thing and then you know it was like very relaxed just like yeah you know we'll do a similar sort of deal like 40 percent or whatever we'll sort all this stuff out and so now julian's stuff. trying to get the price down yeah so so like he's like same sort of deal this went on and then i remember and i was like this was my hope so i was like i was a lot less stressed because like i've got someone you know this is all going to get fucking sorted out somehow and then i remember going to julian's house to literally just finalize everything sort of thing like and then uh i just remember him saying you know what you know ash like I've gone through it all again, like properly. I've now I've had the chance to look at all. I want ninety percent of the company. <laughs> um, so then, uh, my gut just fucking like sank, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And this was like months of like holding them off, like every day, trying to get this deal over. And I was like, "I'm back at square one." And I, I just remember leaving his house, got in my car, drove back. I was just in fucking tears, like in my car, because so I was like so stressed. Like it's hard. It's very hard for me to articulate how much pressure all of that was in that those three months like everything constantly every single hour was going wrong at a very very big scale like you know you got your three million quid to these guys trying to shut you down you got you know angry customers you got a fucked brand with no stock and it was just a nightmare um and then but i don't, don't hold anything against you and it's business in day like it is what it is like we get on wow and stuff is like it's just it's just business. It's business. It? Thing. Like it happens. You just can't take. You, that I stuff don't personal. take anything personal, but it's just like the situation I was in. There, I was like, you know, if someone local and stuff can do that, then it opened my eyes. I was like, well, you know, if that can happen, and we were best, we were fucking half decent mates like a few months ago, but now I'm in a more vulnerable position. Ninety mm. percent. What happens yeah. if you go into business with super dry or whatever, and you know, it's all hunky dory when you've got the control and everything's yeah. going nice. But the second you're in and something goes wrong and you you don't have the money and the leverage, they quickly fucking 
turn and that's yeah. not just super dry that's anyone in business like you gotta be so fucking careful um and it's just a game of leverage mate like it's whoever's got the leverage and money like wins like at the end of the day um so you gotta be very careful with that and then left his house and i was like i just i've got home fucking just devastated and i was like you know what you can't give up now just fucking just write a list on my phone just like who can buy my brand and help me out with this so i just wrote a list of names dm them and then got one back from um spoke to ben francis um i know i know ben from um no mac did our, yeah no 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 mac used to be a, used to be a videographer didn't he yeah he, he did one of our first photo shoots in london in like 2016 or whatever and then um let's have a drink quick um and then he did one of our photo shoots in 2016 and got chatting and stuff and then uh yeah, and obviously I was a massive fan of Gymshark. I went to their first like stand in at Body Power with Jeff Side because I was obsessed with Jeff Side and all that all that YouTube lot. So when I saw him at the first stand selling all them their blue first blue tracksuits and stuff, like I was buying yeah. it. I was like, love the brand from day one, sort of thing. And then when I've shot with Noel, I was like, oh, just chatting about you know our Ben Gymshark and all this stuff. How you should meet and stuff. We'd go to Nando's and stuff. I think you'd get on. So then we went to Nando's. I think a few weeks later, met Ben and then just got on since then sort of so thing that, so you, you're the one that introduced Noel Mack to, to Ben no so Noel introduced me to Ben oh, no, through, yeah. just went for Nando's just chatted about her and stuff and then um, yeah that just opened up her door with, with Ben sort of thing through, throughout the years and stuff and he's always like you know when Super Dry come knock and I spoke to Ben I was like you know what do you think of this and he'd always advise me and stuff And then, what did um, he advise you she said it was a good deal and stuff you just need to like just think sort of thing and just you know you've got to do what you want to do sort of thing he didn't give me like a yes or no sort of thing it was just yeah. like sort of that sort of advice sort of thing um and he said it's difficult like you know you can't there's no crystal ball sort of thing so it's just like it's hard to advise on um and then um yeah so i phoned ben i was like i told him the story i've just told you and he was like what the fuck so straight he's always been so helpful to me like with any ma- major problem i've had like it's like he would sort help yeah. me straight away like sort of thing and like you know he set up a meeting with paul and steve like the following day went to Jim Shark's office and stuff, met Paul and Steve for the first time and then told him everything what happened. Just like, Steve couldn't really believe, like like I said, like the, the amount of stock we ordered because it makes no sense. It's like when you speak to people who are honest and decent professional people like Paul and Steve, you know, the people I'm working with are a bunch of yeah. fucking criminals. So it's just like... Well, St- St- Steve's obviously ex-Reebok. You yeah. Know, he, he, he's, known, he's known the game for a long time. Yeah, and know? they're smart. They work with Ben you know, properly, professionally, yeah. don't screw him. And what they got, a billion pound company. You know, when people try and screw people from day one, what they left with, a massive legal battle and nothing. So it's just like, you're better off building long-term relationships and do it properly and protect your reputation and then build something together. Well, but, you only get one reputation exactly. in life, you know. So even when you mentioned the names of these people to Julian, yeah, he his face even took a moment to step back. Yes, that's it? all connected. It, it, oh, I can go deep. Like it's all connected, and they've got the people who met me have got a history of doing what they've done to me to other people on a big on the same scale. So it's just like, you have, know, do you do you know of other brands yeah. without mentioning names that have been that have actually been successfully taken? Yeah, like massive brand. Like it's funny. Like the, I can't give too much away because they'll link all the names, but it's just funny. It's the stories nuts like how they've done it before and they're still doing it now. And I've had people DM me, kids, and someone off Love Island DM me saying, oh, I've watched your podcast, you know, this a couple of years ago with Danny Bucks. Like, 
you know, I think it's the same agent guy who who we're working with and they're doing fucking X, Y, and Z. And like, you know, they're telling me they need to put the trademark in their name and all this stuff and, you know, taking money and like they're, they're doing it to these kids. And like this time they're taking equity yeah. in their brands yeah. before they even have a chance to, you know, yeah. to, well, to get out. So the, it's just... the, the game is that they're not meant to have a chance, are they? No. The, the game they prey on young kids. The, yeah. <laughs> because most, most of this... Um, most of most, I, I know this young guy called Lester Javalona. He's got many successful dropshipping brands, and I think he's going into brands. and He's a, he's an absolute wizard. He scales the fuck out of them. And um, it's like when you've got someone who's talented like that at scaling brands and making like between five and ten million dollars yeah. a year, they'll prey on someone like yeah. that because yeah. because they're so not talented. B- because, no, because they are t- because they are talented, but perhaps they haven't got the big brand experience. And when yeah. and when you've got someone that's been in the game twenty years in, in the in the fashion space in the in the and the and the you know whoever can whoever controls. Not just not just the actual company itself, but controls the flow of stock to a company yeah. can can shut you down overnight. Yeah, no. yep. and it's like a lot it's of people money. don't realize that. Yeah, it's money, power. Whoever has the money has the control. Yeah, without a doubt. So, right. what what are your key? What if so, you were going to give some key bits of advice then in terms of how to keep the leverage in your hand as an ecos ecom brand owner for as long as possible? What advice would you give? Just have the money. Like you need to have a profitable business, so you're not reliant on investors. Profit, like if you've got a profitable business, and you know your contracts are rock solid, and you own the majority share and stuff, and even if you don't have yeah. the majority share, make sure these shareholders agreements aren't tricked with like loads of fucking Loot traps holes. and stuff, which they are. So you just got to be very careful and stuff. Um, but yeah, just going back to that story and stuff, like where I met Paul and Steve, they then went away, phoned us back again, and then put in an offer. They, I'm sharing this because I know Paul's obviously meant, mentioned it, so I know it's public. So um, they offered to buy seventy five percent. Yeah, well, Jim, Jim Shark. This is Jim Shark. Yeah. Jim Shark. Yeah, seventy five percent of her um, to clear the debt, basically. So I wouldn't have received anything personally and stuff. Um, and then, and then, um, and then, yeah, the the money would have just completely their legal team would have taken care of this whole mess going on and they would have paid them them off, cleared them off, and then they'd have injected cash into the business, which was an unbelievable offer. Like, it's the best offer you possibly probably receive in that moment sort of thing. So how much do you think they would have injected? I don't know. They're, they're very clever in terms of, like, you know, they know how to run a business properly, like, profitably. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they yeah. built Gymshark with very little capital in, injected into the company. It stayed profitable and they've scaled it to... 200 million before they even raise money from GA. Yeah. So like they know how to build a profitable business, high margin business, which yeah. is the key to it. So yeah, they know what they're doing. So probably not a lot of money to be honest. Um, it would have needed some cash just to, you know, get it going again and just put some life into it, but not a lot. And then, um, but, but yeah. And, but at, at the same time, I had another person who was, um, the founder of one of the biggest fast fashion brands in, the whole of Manchester, um, interested in buying the company. So I met him as well and then told him the names and stuff. And he made a, I was in the, I was in his boardroom. He literally rang the phone in front of me and on loudspeakers like, do you know so-and-so? I was like, yeah, he's a cunt. And then, (laughs) yeah. And then, so I was like, oh fuck. And then we're dealing with like some proper shade chess player, like high level chess 
yeah. businessmen. <laughs> like yeah, 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 you're not yeah. fucking around with like these yeah. Joe Blog like people. They're very smart, calculated people. Um, you know, and I was 22 at the time, so just like bro, they're like in the. What was his 50s. advice? So he he they helped me throughout the whole process. So like, I I spoke to Jim Charles. I don't speak to somebody else. They were like, look, we'll give you my our legal team. They can speak to me, and I felt like someone was actually like, you know, the way their legal team dealt with it was like so good because it was like, you know, they felt like it was on my side. Someone's actually understanding my point of view, my story, what they've done, and how they've fucking done it yeah, all, yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. actually listening. It was like, then we started to build up a fucking real case. Like we were up till twelve, one o'clock every single morning, just trawling through emails, like evidence, and then we were just finding so much evidence of like things they were not doing. Like we'd asked them for the scaling documents, we sent uh, um, that we'd sent them scaling documents, like. I think six times in a row and they ignored every email which is the which is why all the stuff was so long and it all like makes sense why they ignored that email because they didn't want to scale it the way we wanted it so all this stuff played into our hands with all the legal stuff so we, they spent january february march april may june july it took and, seven and, months and so so jim shark are letting you use their legal team no so this was the fast fashion founder yeah yeah so they, he was letting you use their legal team yeah for free it wasn't free, you know, like I was paying the bills and stuff. But uh, then obviously Jim Sharp put that offer and was like, I think I'm going to pursue, because Jim Sharp, look, we, we've, you know, we don't want to waste time. Just give us a yes or no. We're not interested if, you know, you're going to potentially looking at other offers. Like, it's like take it or leave it sort of thing. I was like, I, it's, to this day, I was like, that was the deal that I should have taken that Jim Sharp deal. One trillion percent. Like in, on, in hindsight, great deal. But I think it's because, for me, I was angry that so my head was not clear in terms of like so much has happened all in this one time period. I've gone from, you know, owned a brand which was valued at X amount to now it's got fucked because of these people. And now I'm having to sell it at a massive discount. And, you know, even though the deal in the circumstance was unbelievable, but for me, psychologically, it was like I wanted to fight and get out of this myself and try and is that, get out is, is that the entrepreneurial ego coming in there? What I wouldn't say it's I, I'm one million percent entrepreneurial. Like, could I work? Would mm-hmm. I have lasted two minutes in Gymshark? No. Like, I would have. I know what would have happened. Like, I would have gone in with them. It might have worked, like for me. But but Ben's gonna employed? Ben's gonna have an opinion. Steve's gonna have an opinion. Yeah, Paul would have had an opinion. Their, Every, just, everyone's gonna is, have an opinion. Which you, is completely right. Like, it's yeah. their business. Like, when when you give up control and seventy five percent, it's no longer your business. I would have been an employee at Hera. That's what you are. Yeah. You're but, an own, but 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 owning twenty five percent of it. Yeah, but you own twenty five percent. But your employment can be cancelled at any any time. Like it's not set in stone because you don't own control. So like in any company, yeah. you can get fired, and then I'd have no salary, and then you'd be at a normal job until you could sell you twenty five percent in three or four years time. So I was like, yeah, it's still risky <laughs> for me, and I didn't want to. My lifestyle was nuts at the time. I was like, you know, I had fucking stupid houses. Lamborghinis, my expenses were high as fuck. So I was like, so you'd got, you'd gone, you'd gone from from like equivalent to being like the the underprivileged kid on the estate, yeah, to having the fucking the hurricane, to having the uh, lavish clothes, to to renting the house that's far too big for you to live in. Yeah, so I've lived in Winchcombe originally with parents, and then moved to Cheltenham, which is only like seven miles away. But yeah, when I got the Lamborghini and stuff it was just like because I'm very very impulsive like I don't think like very extremely impulsive and erratic like I could wake up 
today and just fly to Vegas if I thought let's just go to Vegas sort of thing. So like when I got that Lamborghini, I remember driving it into We'll go China. after the podcast then. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah, I, I was going to take. I'm not vaccinated, so I'm oh, not allowed in. <laughs> don't worry, I can sort that. I've got phone calls. To yeah, make. don't worry about that. But um, the, mate, I was going to take you to Nando's, but Las Vegas sounds all right. But 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 but, but it's true. When you see this, you see this, especially in e-com, especially in e-com, the the industry itself. A lot a lot of people are building these phenomenal brands from their bedroom. And the first thing they go and do, or the first thing they want to do, I was even speaking to Lester about this yeah. as well. It's like the first thing they want to do is buy a Lamborghini. Big mistake. It, yeah. So, Massive. So, 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 so tell me why is that a mistake in your mind? Because I wasn't financially illiterate, like in terms of like, I wasn't, didn't have monthly management accounts. I didn't have, didn't know what P&L was, didn't know what balance sheet was. Didn't know any of it. I was just blind for three or four years and just miraculously it all like panned out like sort of thing. How did, how did you, in terms of like, I've spoken to a few entrepreneurs about this as well. It's like, how did you structure buying the number? Did you go and, did you go and rent it on higher purchase or did you go and pay cash for it? Or how did you do that? So that one, they wanted 90 grand up front because right. I was 21, right. <laughs> 21. Uh, and then obviously I've met Carl Hartley who sorted out all my cars and stuff. Lamborghini wouldn't touch me with the barge pole. A lot of, a lot of them were like, no, no, no. And then, Met, Hartley's massive, isn't he? Yeah, met Carl, and then luckily he had like a finance guy who were more lenient on risk, but there's more upfront costs. Usually, it wouldn't cost you barely anything, like ten percent or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, "Fuck, I'll pay ninety grand." So I paid the ninety, and then I had to pay monthly. But I always rent. I would rent even if I was a billionaire. I'd rent my car. Yeah, hundred percent. I'd always rent because it's just pointless burning money <laughs> on, on that. It's stupid. Um, but did did it did what? Essentially, what I want to know is: Did the Lamborghini when you bought it give you? Give give you what you thought it was going to give you in terms of like the status, the feeling of worth, and everything else. Did did you put that into it, or, or was that? Uh, I just love cars. Like from I've always loved cars. Like even it's funny. Like when my mates are like walking years ago, like a silver Lamborghini would drive past. Yeah, I'm like fuck, look at that car, and they're like, bro, you own one. I was like, yeah, but. I haven't seen it drive past like that. Like I love uh, yeah. cars. Like that, then, I th- then I think buying a. I think I think then buying a Lamborghini when you've got a business like you've yours that's turned over the money. Yeah, is fine because you actually genuinely love cars, and it's only the sound I like. Like I tried a Ferrari. Yeah, and I got rid of it in three weeks because it didn't sound anywhere near like Lamborghini. Yeah, if, I like if it. Lamborghini didn't have the sound, I would not be driving a Hurricane. Wait, it's a pain in the ass. I I'd never seen uh, what's what's that Eurus. one? The Urus. I'd never seen the Urus in real life until yeah. you drove it on the driveway. Yeah. And when you drove it on the driveway, I was like, "Fuck these! These are fucking nice enough for you know yeah, what I mean? Cool. Like these, they're, they're a cool car. Like yeah, yeah. it's 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 a." It's a privilege to know that you've worked hard and generated enough capital yeah. to be able to go and get one. Yeah. It's fucking great. But that biz, that money is always better off than the business. Like, it's stupid. Don't buy one. <laughs> like, that money is way... If you're serious about growing your business and, like, you have to be very fucking disciplined and yeah. don't piss your money on stupid crap like I did. Yeah. Like, yeah. I did. A lot of yeah. money. So, it's just like, if you're very dis- disciplined and you have... You're on payroll, so you don't have any unexpected tax bills and all this stuff, and you just keep your expenses low, then you have more profit left over to grow your business. Yeah. But if you're spending the majority, I, I definitely created a lifestyle business for a million percent because I was so obsessed with, like, I love spending money. <laughs> like, I was a big problem. Yeah. Like, I was just like, I loved, you know, traveling to Ibiza, Vegas, watching McGregor fights. I loved, you know, cars, and it's just money being drained out of that. I so. know, I know, I'm, I had a little bit of a sit down meditation with myself the other day and i'd realized that i'd started to fall into this lifestyle type thing again not in terms of like buying extravagant stuff but in terms of like i I needed 
to focus on the generation and and to fall in love with the making the money not fall in love with the just the podcast and just this and just this because obviously this cost me a lot of money to produce yeah. it and everything else like this but you got to really bring it back to the fact of like don't feel guilty for the fact that you want to be a rich or wealthy as fuck don't feel guilty about that like that should be your whole goal because oh, yeah. everything in life gets better when you're when you're when you first become rich and then you become wealthy yeah like and all riches as far as i'm concerned is like once you can do whatever you want to do with you know more once you can do more than what you want to do with the amount of money that you've got and, yeah. you can, and you've got the freedom of time you're you're rich yeah to become wealthy you've got to have fuck you money yeah right do you know, do you know, there's, yeah. there's a real difference between the two terms but yeah. it's like there's no, there's nothing wrong with falling in love with money or yeah. loving money and 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 it, and it really dawned on me the other day that you shouldn't feel fucking guilty about that yeah 100 percent. and just going back to that story so i close it off so like obviously i had the gym shot stuff and then you know politely was like you know, I want to pursue the the fast fashion uh, founder, and so I went went down that path. This was January up until all the way up until July. So it was five months of you know how do we get out of this sort of like right? We need to think tactically together. Yeah. Board meetings, meeting all every week, and then it was just like talking to their legal team constantly. And it, this was when I was seriously depressed and suicidal again because it was like the pressure. Is the brand still at this point ticking over selling stock? Yeah. Or is everything... Ret- have, you, have you now got a new supplier that's supplying the right clothes? Yeah, so, still was, selling so we were still... So we went back to our turkey manufacturer, started to manufacture things again, which was our own quality and stuff. People were still keeping some of the stock, but a lot of it was getting returned as well. But luckily, because a lot of our percentage were jeans the jeans were fine because our turkey manufacturer manufactured them for us. Oh, right, yeah. So yeah, luckily, yeah. our jeans kept us alive during that period. But in terms of like legal bills, like we spent like over 200 grand like easily in, in legal man. bills in that seven month period, just fucking pissing money away. And then... Um, and, that's a, and that's another thing I want people to understand is that when, an, when one brand wants to kill another brand, a, a, one of the tactics they will use is what they call legal warfare where they'll yeah, where they'll yeah. where they'll where they'll keep the legal case going for for as long as they think that until you till you run out of money and can't fight it anymore and yeah. then they'll take you out yeah so like you know these the two investors who put the money in like they tried doing a winding up petition against the company so you know you they try and put a winding up petition in basically which goes public and then you know you have to stop trading until so how does that work because i don't understand that so like if you, if they they speak to them they claim we're owed three million quid they've defaulted on the payment we want our money they they, they they're insolvent they can't pay their debts as they fooled you that's what right. it means so right. they send a letter you get a letter from the person you have to defend it so this is where the legal team come in because yeah, you have to defend it don't you yeah and mate i can't i haven't even described it well like enough of like all this stuff going on like how i was feeling like when all this stuff was going on, like I had to go into work, put on a brave face, pretend nothing was going on, trying to run a business, which is hard enough to try and grow that and just keep it afloat sort of thing. Mm. And dealing with all this fucking pressure and shit from everyone. Yeah. You not got... thinking I'm going to have a brand. I woke up every day. Like, is a brand going to fucking be shut down tomorrow? Is it, is it even worth me going in today? Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Like I was literally breaking down like constantly. Like, I had to fucking. Have just... you still at this point got this lavish lifestyle that you probably can't, like you probably shouldn't be spending money on? Um, no, not really. <laughs> like I still do it. Like in terms of like, no, at this time I'm talking Oh, about. at the time I had no choice. I was tied into it. It's like my car tied into it. And to be honest, I wouldn't even think about it. Like, I was just like, so obviously I didn't 
go I cut back on obviously a lot of stuff because everything was just like fucking I just all my time and attention I was going into this fucking thing and during that period four month period I think I gained like 50 pounds in weight wow man so like the, when I say I was stressed and suicidal because they say that stress you know it, Mate, it was it, horrific it, it, and it leads to eating doesn't it and stuff yeah and it was when the fast fashion founder got involved I was like okay it's all fine like you know I feel a lot better I feel I've got people on my side defending me now you know I've got people behind me who are a lot bigger than these fuckers and then um yeah so we spent five months with their legal team getting a very solid our case was rock solid like the evidence stacked up completely what they tried to do and then um basically it was my birthday on the 8th of july and every single year i go to ibiza for my birthday with mates and um a week later was the court date where they decide whether they sort of take it or not and like throughout this period with with the fast fashion founder and stuff like as we got into it and stuff like I wanted um, them to invest like say a minimum of like million pounds for I think they, the deal was like for them to buy 40% of the company for like a mil and I was like just can you please just do it as equity so like you just clear the debt off and when I say a million it's because he could have literally got this guy in a room sat him down and said you're getting this fuck off basically <laughs> otherwise we're just going to shut the company down and I'll buy it in administration and you're fucked anyway sort of thing like he would have negotiated him down to the bare yeah, bare minimum yeah, yeah, or he's yeah. wiped out anyway so that's what should have happened and we should have just put done that from day one without all this legal ag- aggravation yeah you should you should have, you should have just folded it and started a new company the next day yeah we, that's what we should have done. we should have just like all just negotiate with him straight away but that wasn't the long-term plan of the fast fashion founder sort of thing it was well, like do the le- and this is where things start to like that's why, like, why you have limited companies because at the end of the day someone someone turns up at your door and comes at you for this this and this and this you're like you know what shut the fuck down I'll start another one next yeah, day yeah and the problem is like it got dragged out and then things started to slow down and I was like mm, this don't seem right we were like it sound, seemed like we're all on the same side and now all of a sudden it's like there's a separation going on and now it's you know they, they don't want to do um, equity it's a loan so like the fast fashion founder was going to give me a loan to pay these lot off yeah and then I owe these. This the founder. Now, now you've just moved the debt from one from one load of sharks to yeah. another load of sharks. I'm not calling them sharks. I don't know. Like just like, but, but potentially, 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 you're you're, you're you kind of just they, you're not really solving the problem. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, you're not you're not you're not solving the problem. So it's just like, and I said that I was like, what's the point, sort of thing. And then, but I used it. And then it got further down. I was like, you know what? I've come this far. I've got the legal team. Fucking court dates due in fucking two weeks. So I was like, you know what, fuck it, this might be my last ever time I go to Ibiza, my mate, so I'm just going to fucking Ibiza and fuck everything. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to Ibiza and just, I went and just fucking, I was in Ocean Beach and my mate's like sat in the corner and was like, I was just fucking on the phone constantly to my legal team, like constantly just fucking sorting this crap out. And um, this one, I remember it was like, must have been like 7am, just got back up from somewhere or whatever. And I was literally on the balcony in my room on my own and I phoned night. Um, I phoned someone so um, I phoned the two uh, or one of the sales agents I phoned him up because remember during this whole process I was very strategic and tactical with what I was doing like in terms of I knew the two sales agents were not on my side and they were very involved with them but they didn't know I knew that so I kept these the two sales agents on side and I fed them information because I wanted knew yeah, it would yeah. go back to them fuckers so I phoned the sales agent in Ibiza I was like look I know you two are a pair of fucking scumbags. 
I know you're involved with them. I knew, I know the whole thing. And I said, you think I've done this all this whole six months all by myself? I said, you know, I've got fucking billionaire behind me. See you, in, see you next week in court. And then hung up. And then a couple of hours later, phone rings. It's my, my other solicitor, because obviously I've still got my own one in London, yeah. who I used to use. And then I used the one in Manchester, which was theirs. So I was using my own solicitor on the side still. Yeah. To, to obviously for my to advise me because I obviously I know that legal team is obviously best friends with the founder sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I was like, yeah. couldn't trust what I was saying to them to go back to him. So I was like, had my own guy behind me in my back pocket secretly, and then um, yeah, and then um, I I just he phoned me and just said, you know, what, what's been said, what's happened. They they want to do a deal with you like right now, sort of thing. Like you know, they want to get a contract sorted for what you agreed. Let's just they said they want it signed off the next like day. And then it just got thrashed out that day, like and what was contract. It? So it was, I thought it was a massive victory because I was like, I've kept 100% of my brand somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't sold it to anyone. I've kept 100%. Uh, the deal was, I have, I, they knocked a million pound off, the, the three million owed because of the damages. And then it was agreed two million pound. I had to pay them back over four years. So half a mil per year, which was 41,000 pound roughly every single month for since 2017 and you thought that was a victory at the time fuck because, me bro because oh. I was fucked like at, at the time it hurts was, my heart just thinking about yeah, it yeah but this was seven months of, of, of seven months yeah, yeah, of yeah. every day and I couldn't believe that it was <laughs> fucking over the day I signed that I was like fuck me like but, it's but, over but, but, to, but to know every month before you even open the doors before you've paid staff before you've even looked at anything yeah. you owe 41 grand yeah so Hera died in 2017 dead like my creativity my what i did me controlling Hera, died in 2017 like what could i do like you know we were doing six million a year gross so net you're doing about five if you're hitting 10 percent net profit margin which is the industry standard for that sort of thing and that's what we were hitting your profit should be 500 grand a year if you remain extremely like that hit that 10 percent profit margin and my debt was four, it was, well, 40,000 times 12. So yeah, 400 and yeah. half yeah. a mil pretty much. Yeah. So my debt was 100% my net, not my net profit, which is fucking mental. Mental. Like the, the maximum that should ever be is like a third, like in debt, like a third. So if you're making 40 grand a month in profit, the yeah. maximum you should spend in debt, covering debt payments is a third, which is, you know, 15 is it 15 just 12 12 grand something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirteen thousand max mine was 100 percent, and i did that every single month from 2017 2018 2019 2020 i went four years straight on a fucking hamster wheel paid Not, it off i was just waking up to pay debt bro like i couldn't do anything with the brand because there's no so you there's were no money to grow you were basically a founder of a brand that on the outside is successful. Yeah. It's not only trapped, but you basically got you've basically got yourself a job. Yeah, I couldn't be, grow be, because you can't because you can't grow. You can't do nothing. You can't yep. move. You, you you literally it must take your fucking soul. It, that's what the fast. I still talk to the fast fashion founder by the way. Like we get, he's we get on and stuff. Like we've had countless meetings and stuff since trying to buy it and stuff and and all this stuff. But it's just like he said like the same thing you said. It's that must be fucking soul destroying. And it was. It was. It's just like it's. But that shows my, ne- like, I just, it's a bad thing and a good thing. Like, it's that never give up thing in me. 
and I just mm. didn't give up. Like I grinded for four years straight, thinking once these fucking payments are gone, I can carry on where I left off. But mate, four years is far too long <laughs> before you your brand starts mm. to like where the fuck is it going? Because like, and this is what people probably think they're like, and oh, where, fell where, off, where, done this. Like, where are you growing? Where are you growing at all? I maintained our revenue for four years straight. So, so like, you you managed to keep it at six yeah, mil. Yeah. Every fucking, fucking year. years, mate. What well, that is we've, my biggest accomplishment. If you ask any any massive company I've spoken to and stuff, and they've looked at, I don't know how you've done it. That's what they all say. I don't know how the fuck you've done that because you've got no money to spend on innovation. Nope. But that shows how powerful that fucking brand was. <laughs> like what I had in 2017, the potential of that brand was so special, and it could have gone to the fucking moon because, like. Paul went on to your podcast in the previous podcast. His words were, Ben Francis said it's one of the strongest brands he's ever seen. Yeah, yeah, he did, he did say that. Do you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> I, I know he said it because it's on your website and I've seen the yeah. clip. <laughs> yeah, clip that. <laughs> so it's just like, what a compliment from one of the yeah. most successful entrepreneurs in the whole yeah. of fucking England. So it's just like, you know, it's, it's nuts and it's crazy to think where Hera would have been. That's why I love if, I love this, man. If that moment in 2017 never happened. Yeah. If that didn't, if that whole shit show didn't happen, and we had someone professional come in and scale it properly, where would the brand be now? <laughs> like five years later, it's fucking, it's mental. But it is what it is. It happened. Um, but yeah, it's just one of them things which just fucking annoy me because it's just like you know, I get the blame, and it's just like don't. I don't. Think, you can't I don't, get I don't judged think, I don't, on I don't, like you know. I don't think it's a blame thing. Not just, blame, but just like you know. Hera from 2017 till now not me like yes I'm there but I can't do jack shit my biggest mistake was not raising money to get rid of that debt because I didn't have the financial literacy and knowledge yeah. and understanding of how the, debt worked until because to be honest like thinking about it now mm. objectively you could have gone and raised 6 mil yeah. at, n- at 0. Point something percent or 1% or whatever you could get the debt for. You could have raised it against the brand. You could have paid off the debt and then you could have put that into innovation and innovate It'd be the hard brand. for me to raise debt because obviously back then like they still want stuff like banks and stuff. They want your house or whatever and all this stuff. Like how, would you, how, would you, how would you have done it differently then? Sold, how would equ- sold equity. Just sold equity. Oh, a trillion percent. I should have taken that Gymshark deal because I wouldn't have had to go through seven months of hell dealing with yeah. all this shit and they would have grown it I've if you really think if Gymshark would have taken it over if I'd have said yes I'd have had no stress for seven months I'd have won because I've sold to Gymshark yeah I look successful as fuck because I've taken it to 2017 yeah sold to Gymshark they're going to blow it up and I yeah. still own 25% and I'm still the founder yeah and, unbelievable. and no one could take that away from you unbelievable so it's just like and then and then if you think of money lost, it's like, okay, well, they could have bought it when it was doing six million in revenue five years ago. If they would have even grew at 12, 24, even if they grew it to 30 or 40 million in five years, which was probably mm. highly possible. Your 25% is still worth more than your revenue. And right they now. sold at four times revenue. If it was all, mm. if Hera was valued at the same as Jim Shire was a group, mm. you know, Hera could have been valued at 100 plus mil or ifs, buts, and maybes if everything aligned. And then 25% of that they, could have been worth they, a lot. They, they, could have been, they could have been like Hera X, Gymshark, collab deals and all sorts a of shit. A lot of could have happened, yeah. And this could have been a beautiful, beautiful it synergy. It would have been, yeah. And because then, Hera would have brought the, the, the going outside been perfect, yeah. to, to Gymshark. And they knew that. And, yeah. that that's why, and that's why they offered you the money for the brand. Yeah. And then, but for me, it was just like I still had that fast fa- I really looked up to this fast fashion brand and owner yeah. because like, 
how they market shit is like cool as fuck. They smash everything. Like all their brands are cool. They know what they're doing. And yeah. so do Gymshark and stuff. But my only sway to like that one was like was because that was fashion yeah. and that was streetwear yeah. and this was gymwear. Yeah. The gymwear, Ben and Gymshark and stuff is like the business side, tick, 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 tick. Fucking, you couldn't get any more perfect. The only thing the other guys had, which was like playing on my mind, was like, the fast fashion model and the, mm. the street where I know they smashed the campaigns with. So it was like playing on my mind a bit. And I went, I went that direction, which was, you know, that and a lot, a lot of these fast fashion brands, they have wicked marketing, yeah. but the product, when you actually break it down is shit. Yeah. Like, but you know, like shine and all that, what was Shein, Shein or whatever they're called. Um, they're massive, but the products, the girls buy them, they throw them away because it's crap. I think but, they're worth like eight times more than Zara now. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's fucking, it's fucking mad. But at least when you go into Zara, you get a quality pair of jeans or yeah. you get a quality t-shirt. You know, this is from fucking Zara. It's just a nice fitting t-shirt, isn't it? Like, yeah. so, I, mate, when I was in Barcelona, I bought this for nine fucking euros. Yeah, it's mad. So, do you know what I'm saying? Nine euros. Yeah. That thing, you know. And, he, and even before this crap happened, like in 2017, like the people we were getting the brand on, like we got the brand on OBJ from America, Brooklyn Beckham, Romeo Beckham, Hayley Bieber, uh, Lewis Hamilton, they all wore Herod. How did, how did you go about acquiring, so, so these people who run clothing brands now that listen to this, so the young ones out there, the hustlers, how can they get their clothing onto these people? Very hard. Like you just need to know people and luckily I just managed to find a connect who just is very linked to all these people and, I'm just very, I'm just very good at somehow networking with people and finding out things. And I don't, I don't even mean to do it. I just, I'm just good at it. Like my contact list of people and to have access to these sort of people is extremely fucking hard. But at the same time, I had the bollocks to pay them all. Like, yeah, I had the balls. Yeah. I'll I'll fucking give you 50 grand. Yeah. hundred percent. I'll give you a hundred grand. Cause I, I didn't give a fuck what the ROI was. I I don't care. You can make zero sales. I know for a fact that you wearing it and post on Instagram is going to make the brand look cool. Yeah. And it was just based off, I know it's going to make the brand look cool. And then even with uh, the McGregor stuff, like I, he was, I was in Cheltenham just in a, like a beer garden just with my mates. It was like five o'clock, beautiful day. And then saw on Instagram, he was at Aintree, the picture where he's got his Louis Vuitton glass on his shirt. And there's like this uh, bodyguard bounce, bodyguard guy in front of him who I, who I knew. And then, um, he was like, oh yeah, Connor's going to this after party, he's doing a PA there, you know, come and just bring a t-shirt sort of thing. And I was like, yeah, okay, right, I'm coming. I had to say my mates are like, oh, I don't know, don't want to, you know, it's late, I've got girlfriends, whatever. So I was like, just shut up, we're going. <laughs> got on the train, two hours to Liverpool, um, checked into the hotel, went straight to the club, took a black hair t-shirt with me. And then um, we, I literally spoke to the uh, like bodyguard guy I knew um, who, who was working with Connor and stuff. And then uh managed to get up to like his sort of entourage table sort of thing. And then uh, started speaking to like a couple of his like friends. And then I think it was like his manager, like one of his managers. And I was like, look, I own this brand called Hera. Would Connor be interested in wearing, wearing my t-shirt and I'll, I'll pay him and stuff. And next thing I know, we're getting, he grabs Connor and we're getting escorted through the club. Me, Connor, his friend, bodyguard and all this stuff. They kick everyone out of the toilet. <laughs> um, and then they lock the doors and then me and Connor and, the uh, his manager was just locked in the pubicle together, just three of us, and I was like, "Fucking hell!" <laughs> like, yeah. Now I need to start talking, that sort of thing. And then um, I was like, "Look, I own a brand called called Hera. Would you be interested in wearing it, taking a quick picture, and I'll pay you twenty five grand? Like, I'd pay, pay twenty five grand to, to wear a t shirt and just take a picture of me now." And then um, it was like, 
oh, you know, if you've got the money cash now, I was like, oh, no, I don't carry 25 grand. <laughs> I didn't have 25 grand in cash lying around. And then, um, but because it's like an Irish bank account and stuff, I couldn't just wire 25 grand yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of negotiating. He was like close to walking out. Like there's moments where I was like, you know, nah, fuck this. I don't like, I don't trust all this stuff. Like, and all this stuff is high risk. And then I, I, so like thinking on my feet, I was like, okay, right, what the fuck do I have? How do I prove that I am who I am sort of thing? And then luckily, because all the Lamborghini crap in Cheltenham got a lot of press and stuff from Daily Mail and headlines of Lamborghinis, me, Geordie Shaw, Hera. And I showed him that. I was like, look, my name, 21, Hera, pictures of me. I've got, I drive a fucking Lamborghini. Here's Shopify reports. Here's my sales and all this stuff. And then it was like, okay, then he started to listen. It was like, right, he said, do you promise me now that you're going to transfer me the 25, 25K? I was like, I swear on my... <laughs> I, promise you that I'll, you'll have 25 grand by tomorrow morning and then he was like fuck it and then he literally grabbed the top put the top on took, took the photo and then took the picture and then next so where was the picture taken in the actual club yeah it was in the club toilet yeah that oh, the picture was in the club toilet luckily the lighting was decent <laughs> so like, there's mirrors and lights and stuff so it looked decent but it was, that was in a toilet fucking hell so uh, so that just opened up a massive door because then the next day had a phone call I was in my living room chatting him at things like 8 o'clock at night watching Love Island and then um, phone rang. It was like a Dublin number. Um, picked up and was like, "Oh!" Then it was like Connor. McGre- it was Connor on actually Connor on the phone, like speaking. <laughs> and it was like, "Oh, just thank you. Just one. So good to meet you. Thank you for holding on to your word. I really respect that. Thank you for transferring the twenty five grand. So I transferred the money because from his point of view, I could have taken the picture and just he'd yeah, never see me again. Yeah, I'm bounced. I'm gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But transferring the money straight away and then opened up a door to his management. Started speaking to him and then you know think about. A month or two months later, he was about to fight Floyd Mayweather. So I flew out to Dublin again to do another deal with him um, before he fought Floyd Mayweather. And then he wore that salmon T-shirt and he took a professional photo and then um, paid him 50 grand to do that. And then he then um, posted it on his actual Instagram page to 20, like 20, 30 20, million, 30 million, million people yeah. a week before he fought Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> what did that all do? the attention. And was, what did it, what did oh, you we do? sold out on Samatees, but I didn't, I wasn't prepared because all this happened so fast. I was like, if I knew we were going to do this, it wasn't a plan. It was like, if it was a plan, you'd have thousands. You spent 50. What did you make on the back of it? I didn't give a fuck. I didn't calculate. I didn't know. All I know is our Samatees sold out like that, <laughs> but we yeah. didn't have barely any. So it was like, if you knew this was going to be, Plan like this, you'd order thousands of salmon teas ready. I can't believe you gave him a t-shirt you didn't have a lot of stock of. I, d- I just didn't. <laughs> I don't know why. It was just like I just. I. We didn't have a lot of stock of any of them. Like it wasn't like yeah. loads. Of th- it wasn't anywhere near the demand. Anything we had in stock was nowhere near the demand that would have caused. So, but like I said, I wasn't doing it. My my thinking just wasn't like, oh, what's the fucking ROI? Like the ROI is Conor fucking McGregor wearing your brand. Do you know what? And, and people talk about it five or I, six years I, later. I, I I love that because it's like you've seen you've you've personally seen me drive all over the country yeah. for these podcasts, right? And people have said, "Fucking hell, Frankie, you're going all over the fucking you've you've been to Portsmouth, you've been fucking and these are fucking like three or four hour drives in the country. It doesn't sound like a lot, but by the time it's it's fucking days, I'm putting up on hotels, all this stuff, and people say, "Why are you doing it?" I'm like, "Because I fucking love it, man." Yeah. Like you can't you can't quantify what you love, and I think that's why you sunk so much. You like you dropped 25 bags here and 50 bags here for for them to wear these shirts. Yeah, I just understand brand. Like I don't people yeah. overlook how powerful these people are. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. they're just so like suits like oh what's the ROI it's just like the ROI is people are talking about five years later 
on podcasts and all this stuff and it's like always remembered i'm gonna remember it when i'm 70 years old <laughs> like yeah. how cool was that <laughs> when you got it on our generation of like he's here's the chart muhammad ali like in terms yeah, of like yeah, what he's yeah. achieved and stuff like he's one of the biggest people in the world so it's just like he's still he's still i mean even even if he was in rb for the other week causing massive a, causing a row and he went viral on tiktok yeah. again. it's like he, he's always someone that's going to cause a stir this that, and the other so you know you're going to get a, an roi and when the press want a picture to use they use your one fucking bingo bongo yeah You've what you've won again. Yeah, and, and what other brand has got their brand on those people? And once it's and I suppose once you got your brand on these kind of influencers, these kind of celebrities, you can you can then use that photo again exactly. and again and again and again, and you can't take that away from a brand. No, it's ma- yeah, it's massive. It's just influencer marketing on like a gigantic, massive scale of like you know the biggest people in the world. Uh, and who 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 else big did you get it on? Uh, Odell Beckham. Junior, massive yeah, in America, yeah, yeah, cool massive. as fuck for fashion. Yeah. Uh, all the Beckhams wear it constantly. Like Brooklyn wears it, flat out. Romeo, uh, even David Beckham. Posted. What's still now? I don't know. If it's still now, there's there's always been pictures of like them cropping up, yeah. wearing the same hoodie and jackets and stuff. And then uh, David Beckham, I think a year ago, posted on his actual Instagram page with his son Romeo wearing a hero hoodie on his actual Instagram page for free. Forty five million followers, or whatever he's got. Yeah, um, Lewis Hamilton, Haley Bieber, Sophia Richie, Steve Aoki. It's massive, massive people. And you just set, have, have some of these people bought these pieces or have you just sent them to everybody? No, so that was all like strategically like, you know, I've got c- contacts to them. Yeah. I will pay you. Because a, a lot of, a lot of how some of my friends have done it and done it very successfully at certain brands, I won't mention names, but what they did was they found out the stylists Yeah, and they used to send product to the stylist and the stylist used to put it on all the celebs and they used yeah. to pay the backhanders to the stylist and the stylist would dress it up. Yeah. That's a good way of doing it. Yeah, that's a clever way. It's a clever way of, of, yeah. of, of, str- of strategically placing your product wherever you want to place it. Yeah. I, just, I, just, I thought, fuck me, that's ingenious. Yeah. Like, it's just so simple, but the city... I think with with anything online and with anything that, like what you're talking about in terms of the brands that you've built, um, the simpler is is the best route. Yeah, it's like it always yields the best result, and it's like you don't even need to know the ROI of Conor McGregor. It's so fucking yeah, exactly. true. It's like who gives a fuck? It's yeah. Conor fucking McGregor. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but yeah. what's what's kind of next for for you? Yeah, so like obviously recently, well recently it's gone quite quick. October 2021, I sold the company. So. This was like not a quick process. So like, you know, through the years, like I've said, Superdry, Gymshark, you know, um, other there's two or three other big brands, billion pound companies, <laughs> like in boardrooms of them trying to buy my brand and stuff. Like throughout that whole 2018, 2019, 20 period, the fast fashion founder constantly we we tried to negotiate probably every year, and but yeah. because we were so stubborn. Like he wants to buy stuff for like next to nothing because that's what they do in terms of like which is the best way to do it is like they go bankrupt. They can buy it for pennies on the pound or whatever. But with me, I was like, oh, hang on a minute, my brand's not bankrupt, so you know I want yeah, a fair price yeah. for it. But he, they couldn't adjust his mindset to it. So which fair enough, like is what it is sort of thing. But it never happened. But we tried constantly. But we just and I learned so much from being around him, talking to him constantly, negotiating with him because he is one of the best. <laughs> people in the world at negotiating like hard motherfucker like it's 100% exactly what you're t- what, exactly <laughs> what you're saying um, in terms of how brands move I was speaking to Ty Lopez about it because I'm hoping to get him on the podcast yeah. but he, he all he's doing essentially is buying defunct 
brands that yeah. were, were like were like that had a name that yeah. have a nostalgia it's, to it's them. It's the best possible way to do it. But but he's buying them. But yeah. he's buying them. He's buying them for no money down, even in some cases. Yeah. Like, you know, and just taking the brand, turn it into an econ brand, yeah. and then and then using his team that he's built, which is what this fast fashion was going to do. They're just going to plug their team yeah, exactly, into yeah. this into what what would be like a bankrupt terror at this point, and yeah. then they just fucking f- cash flow it. Yeah. It's yeah, genius. but this is what happens. Like you can you can honestly build a twenty, thirty, fifty, hundred million pound business, but and you can own a hundred percent of it. But if this is why people watching just do not fuck with debt because debt will kill you. Like if if you have too much debt in your company and you cannot fulfill that debt yeah. with your profit, you can go bankrupt and lose everything. And that's how these type Lopez and all these other companies that's what happens. They come grab they it. Go, yeah, that's why I said money is power, and whoever has the money has the control whoever can afford to spend the most amount of money to acquire the customer wins yeah and and even like with with the brand stuff like you know if, if you're a founder and stuff and you've got no personal money but you're taking these gigantic risks in buying stock and all this stuff in and if it goes wrong and you know you can't afford to pay it back these people with the money swoop in take it for pennies on the pound nothing because it's worth nothing yeah and then because all these creditors are un, unsecured majority of them they get yeah. wiped out they buy the brand for nothing. You're left with zero, and that's how it works. Yeah, and you've built the brand equity. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And 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 the IP, which is what they're buying, mm-hmm. and they've just and they just literally plug their whole back end team, marketing, yeah. marketing, and any, everybody that you need to scale is with these is with these hundred and billion dollar brands. That the, they just plug that back end into this into this what is what it seems like a bankrupt brand, and they could blow it up. And you know, it's only bankrupt for a minute. Like yeah. it's bankrupt on paper, but yeah. then when someone with money comes in, they're not bankrupt. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the same gigantic brand so if you're an e-commerce brand that wants to scale to you know you maybe turn over a couple of million you want to scale it up you want to ramp it up like 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 davy foggy with the Udi. where how do you go how do you finance that drive up do you just just from profit like you, you literally you literally just saying just pull it out your profit and just you grow no organically there's no other way to grow like the only, the only what about wayflyer and things like that yeah so they're good so like say for example like Clearbank and stuff like that yeah so they will, which is very, very, very good technology, and we're very lucky to have te- innovation and technology like this come in and stuff. And Shopify have even cottoned onto it, and they now do Shopify payments or yeah. Shopify something where they yeah. lend people money yeah. now because it's all analytics and data. You, they can see what you do. They can predict revenue. So they're like, right, we'll lend you, you know, X amount now. We'll give you it tomorrow. Like, it'll be in your bank, whatever. And then we just take ten percent or twenty percent of your revenue coming in daily until we pay. Yeah. The money we've loaned you plus, say, 10, 20% interest, whatever it is. It's high interest, yeah. but it's still good. Um, and then, but again, like I go back to it, it's debt. You have to have the profit to, to cover the yeah. debt. I know. No. And, and <laughs> the amount of people that don't understand, because all, all people tend to think about is the exit and the multiple on yeah. the exit. And they're trying to jam up these brands and hockey stick the growth to get this multiple on the exit, right? But the, but profitability is everything. is fucking everything. Yeah. Unless you rate, unless your business model is to raise as much money as possible constantly, but then you're constantly on the fucking loop of like having to raise money, then you get diluted into nothing. And you, and you've you've spent your whole time building a brand and building something you like to find out that you've just got a job with fuck all equity in it. Yeah, and also like you get, they don't always work. Like these private equity companies, venture capital companies, you know, there's Nasty Girl went badly wrong. I know other brands which went badly wrong from yeah. people promising we can grow you at this rate, giving yeah. them too much capital to grow and then all of a sudden it just fucking collapses 
Well, well, essentially, if you flood a company with too much capital, they they will they will do what any human does when they've got too much capital. I.e., when you add too much capital, what did you go do? You thought, "Fuck it, I'll go and increase my lifestyle." costs so you you companies tend to go and spend money they don't need to on marketing they spend it on stupid influencers that don't have the engagement they fucking just waste three million quid story it's like we didn't need three million pounds of stuff yeah yeah yeah. you're almost you're almost better um everybody talks about designing a business that you can sell or exit right yeah but there's a lot of successful people in the world that have businesses that cash flow for them first yeah that they never want to fucking sell that's mint and 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 I th- and I've listened to a few stories of these kind of businesses. They're just high cash flow businesses, and that's what I do with content removal. They're the best. Yeah, I don't want to ever sell content removal. I just run it as a high cash flow business. And yeah, I'm not gonna. Be, I'm not the biggest in the marketplace in terms of like revenue numbers, but I don't give a fuck because it cash flows. You're almost almost richer than someone who sold it because the problem is like you've got reliable income coming in constantly where you can spend your money on your whatever you want and oh. you know it's coming in the next month whereas if you sell that company for a lump sum of money yeah. you have to know how to invest that lump sum of money elsewhere to cash flow your well, lifestyle well, well my, 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 my the way I the way I do it is like I have a high fucking margin like 80-90% profit margin yeah. business right keep your expenses that, fuck, that, that keep my expenses low I don't wear no fucking Balenciaga or anything like you guys do and I don't don't I don't go and rent the nice car and all this stuff. I don't just I just don't do it, right? I yeah. just I just spend the money on ed- educating content with the podcast and trying to put out value to people because I fucking love having conversations with people like you and yeah. getting stories out there. And then I go and then I go and fucking invest it where I want to invest it. I, I might buy, buy buy a property or pay off my mortgage or fucking just do what I want with it. But yeah. I don't need to worry about. I don't because I'm thinking I because I there the, was a quote from the Naval that fucking stuck with me. Play long-term games with long-term people. Yeah, that's it. That's all I'm doing. I'm just playing the long-term game. It's like if you if you love if you love your econ brand or I love my podcast. What does it matter whether it takes you five, ten years to get to to get to the goal instead of fucking two? Why does it have to be in two years for? And that's the thing. Like with with me, like the process of me exiting was, you know, this took a long time. Like you can't just click your fingers and sell your brand. It is can take years because you're negotiating and the the position the, the problem was with me is I had the growth story one one million in year one three million in year two six yeah. million you had the perfect flying. you had the perfect growth on story. all these people flying but what happens is when the shit hits the fan like it did i've then got 2018 19 20 21 flatlined six 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 and then every single because you're talking to like extremely high level they're looking at you, they're looking at you like what the fuck's this about they're like because obviously i'm like well the brand's strong as fuck and my biggest mistake was like i said had to be sold in 2017 latest 2018 because you probably get away with a year of like flat growth because you can play on the story sort of thing but when i carried on for four years i was like mate every single company were like well oh, you haven't grown you haven't grown you haven't grown so i'd mm. be like yeah but there's no fucking profit look at my debt but they know that but mm. they want to which is rightly so it's business like that's how they get to rock bottom sort of prices and I, that's why I kept saying no, no, no for like, I wanted to sell it, I wanted to sell her in 2018, 2019, 2020, 21 and I was in talks with all these brands constantly but we just could never agree on a price ever. Yeah, because because you would have been giving it away. Yeah, and I was like, no, I was like, fuck it, like, there's no way, like, this makes mm. no sense. So, well, you, you were in so deep, it's like, I know it, I know the word sunk cost fallacy does come to mind 
but you're in so deep, it's like, what's the point anyway? Yeah. I, I'm on the fucking floor. It's, it's either going to go bankrupt or it's going to work. To be fair, my goal was to sell the brand was like a lot more. Like I want my, my goal was to sell that brand for like at least like 10 mil. Like that was my goal in 2018. It was like, we're doing five mil, two times revenue. Happy days, I'll take 10. That was my, always my goal. And I was just was so obsessed with like, I'm only selling it for 10. If no one wants to pay it, then I'll carry on sort of thing. So I just kept carrying on. And then, um, then in, like I said, 2021, just talking to, I think like five or six companies and stuff at the time. And then obviously I was speaking to, speaking to Paul as well, as long, along with yeah. these five other people. Um, had like all offers and stuff and, and all that stuff. Um, a couple of them dropped out because of due diligence. They didn't like a couple of things, so they dropped off. And then um, it was left between, well, one company like till the very last minute and then all pretty much paid more money than they were offering and then the other one was a sportswear brand well not brand a company on the FTSE 500 billion pound company yeah. wanted to buy they originally like they wanted 51% control and then they were going to put the money in to pay the debt off yeah and then no money was going to go to me it was just like you know it was all into the business and I was going to run the company which I knew would have happened because, you know, they've got brands similar to mine and it's, you know, they've had no problems and stuff, so I could trust it. Someone like the Hut Group? It wasn't the Hut Group. Oh, yeah. It was sim- sim- similar. And then, um, yeah, so it was like that sort of thing. And then um, I just couldn't take the risk. I was like, I was so exhausted at this point because I was like, I'm just fucking tired. Like, I've got mm. nothing left. And I was like, I've done all this stuff, been through all this stuff for four years, grinding. Because don't forget, in this four years where people forget is the fact of like, you've had the responsibility of paying your staff every week and them looking after their families and their mortgages. Yeah. And that's that's pressure that people don't understand. Yeah. And then I was just like, and it played in my mind. I was like, because I was, at this point, I wanted to cash out. I wanted money in my bank for security. Like, the economy's clearly going to fucking shit. It does not look pretty, (laughs) like the next 12 months. You know, anything can happen. And it was played on my mind. Like, you know, I've turned down all these big brands like over the years. I was like, mm. don't turn down this fucking offer again. And I was just like, just don't do it. Don't roll the dice. Because like I did with Superdrive, rolled the dice, carried on. And then something terribly bad went wrong. So this is Paul's offer. Yeah. So so in 2021, when it was like, you know, it's, you know, the original offer was 70, we'll buy 70%, which was perfect. This is how I wanted to angle it with the other brands. And I did like two of them was like, look, you control it. I want 70% and I'll keep 30 because the idea was the 30% would make up long-term to get me to 10 because I was like, okay, well now I can settle with it because you know what? I accept it. The past four years, no growth, ton of debt, still needs rebuilding. It's a fair price. You rebuild it. I'll exit in a few yeah, years. Yeah, so it's like happy days. I'll take half of what I want now. Happy days. And then I'll wait for the other half while she re- rebuild it and put money into it and get her back. So I was like, I can settle with that and live with it. So that's what I did. But, with with one fuck <laughs> with, uh, with, with with that one um it's just um they tried like to the last fucking weeks and I was like nah I just I can't do it like unless you offer me money as well to take personally on top of what you're offering and I just I can't I want to just take the money yeah. and just like I'm fucking secure settled I can invest that in something else and just yeah. move on and keep 30% happy days so I agree with that deal with, with Paul and stuff and then um, yeah and then it, it was just like it was mainly like it's just a few things just like 
happened. So just like nothing like bad and stuff like you know Paul's a good guy and whatever and all, and all that stuff. But it's just like little things, just like you know, you know, it's ta- it's clever. Cause there's just a bigger thing I was just seeing. Like it's just like you know when all the Draper's articles come out and all the press and the PR, which you know it's tactical it's clever like you know they're saying you know don't you know release anything we're doing it and all this stuff it's all professional and we'll do it properly but then my name's not mentioned in a single article like at all like not a single thing then even like you know on the homepage, on the about us page and stuff like my name's not on there at all but paul's is so it's just like you've it kind of just it did piss me off because it's just like you know you spent eight years building a brand and just like you know, it's just disrespectful. In in my opinion, it's just like you've kind of like destroyed. Like you don't. There's no need to like destroy the the truth and the story of the brand you've bought. Like it's an unbelievable story. You should play on it. Like don't you don't have to like sing my name to the heavens. I'm just saying like just acknowledge it and just yeah. at the bare minimum sort of thing and just like accept that is the brand's history and you've bought at this point and now you're creating the next story of the next era and just like. You know, because especially with consumers and stuff, like they want to know that they know what the brand and stuff, they know what's happened and stuff. So it's very hard to hide history, <laughs> what's yeah, been yeah, around yeah. for so long. But I mean, it is what it is, sort of thing. So it's like kind of. A, a, I, I suppose. I suppose at the end of the day, I mean, everyone can have an opinion one way or the other on that. But I suppose as soon as you've sold something, you can't have an opinion on what's done with it next. No, percent. And it's it's kind of like. And as harsh as that seems, it's like, you know, if I fucking did this, this, sold this, this and this and like someone does something else with it, it's like, yeah, there's some things that could be done with certain things that I own that would piss me off. But it's like, but once you sell it, you can't, you sell your opinion as well. Oh, uh, one million percent. I'm just saying, I just, dis, in my opinion, yeah, disagree yeah. with like removing eight years of of history. What's, yeah. what's her story now? Yeah, I don't, well. No one fucking knows. Like, why don't yeah. you bought it? What, what happened for the last eight years? Like there's no history. Yeah. There's no. There's what's the meaning? Like what's the story and what's the purpose behind it? Yeah, and the brand and the brand like, the brand itself works so well because of the story. One million percent because it was grown out of yep. the bedroom and everything like that, and 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 it, that's how it. That's how that's that's the essence of what you brought to it. Yeah, I think that's why you could still because you had built such a strong brand in terms of. Um, the ethos and the quality in the early days of what you were doing. I remember how much better quality your jeans were than the than anything else we'd seen at yeah. that time in the early days when I was back in England, 2015. It's like a couple of my mates had a pairs. It's like when you've that's what carried you to flat to be able to flatline six mil, six mil, six mil, six yeah. mil. Because without that culture that you'd built in those cult, early days, mate, I, cult our, following, cult following, our repeat customer rate. Was, was mental. So it's just like it just shows you had an unbelievable product and loyal customers. Like yeah. that's what we had as a very loyal base. We didn't acquire any new customers really. We were just relying on our current customers constantly reordering. So that's that's how we survived for like three years. But um and then obviously I think it was about three weeks sort of went by. It was like quite maybe three or four weeks sort of thing and I was like seeing like, you know, what they're bringing out on like social media and stuff and the the branding of it and stuff and uh, without going like into too much detail as to flight, I just didn't. In my opinion, this is when you still had a piece in. Yeah, thirty percent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in my opinion, I think you're getting this terribly, terribly wrong, and I just don't agree with it. And I've, I've spoke to Paul. I was like, look, can we just meet and just speak? And I was like, look, is this genuinely? I just need to know. Like, is this? Do you genuinely think 
this is good and this is the brand direction you're going to go down. And he was like, yeah, this is, you know, it's what it is. And he didn't see what I was seeing, which worried me because I was like, okay, if you don't see what I'm seeing, then that's a, in my opinion, in branding is a big problem because it's just like, you're kind of like not seeing like, it's hard, to, it's hard to explain, like, you're not seeing, like, how obviously bad, like, that is, like, what direction, what you, what you kind of, route you're going down from what it is, but it's just, again, it's my opinion, like, I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, that's just the way my brain thinks, that's what, yeah. my, from my take on it, and, you know, I might be wrong, it might be great, but, and then, you know, but from my perspective, owning, you know, 30% of it, I just didn't feel, and, and even pre-deal, I was like iffy about like keeping thirty percent because, like Paul's mentioned on uh, previous podcasts and stuff, like you know he's not involved in Hera. Like he is just a helicopter's approach. He's calling it in terms of like you know he's just overlooking his daughters running the company. So just like I'm not buying in to Paul who built Gymshark with Ben. It's like he's not in the day-to-day running. He's just bought it for his daughters to run and you know do. So it's just like it's very different sort of thing so it's just like you're relying on i i i getting it right i I think when it comes to from 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 the people that i've spoken to when it comes to doing deals where you've built a brand and you got it to a certain point you have to fully exit yeah one million percent there's there's no there's no question about it in my mind i've spoken to enough entrepreneurs to know that every single entrepreneur that exits and leaves a percentage in there regrets leaving a percentage in there yeah and and what people don't no control of what happens to that brand i mean i knew what i signed up to but at the same time i didn't realize the execution was going to be bad in my opinion so it's just like you know i wanted to keep i was happy and content like with just being silent like not involved if the other fast fashion owner took it over and stuff then you know it would have gone in a way different Brand, I know they'd have got nailed the brand in. <laughs> so it's just like because they know what streetwear is, they know how to make things cool, they know influencers, they they get it. And it's just like, you know, these lot don't. So it's just like that that's kind of like why I was just like, you know what, I, I don't feel comfortable taking that much risk and just I just yeah. wanted to clean break. And also there's downsides like, you know, you're restricted. Like when, when you exit exit the thirty percent early though, do you get a penalty on the f- on the fee that you exit on? No, so I was so smart in like the contract negotiations and stuff because i'm like so aware of like legal shit <laughs> in yeah. terms of like all, all my past with all the legal stuff like i know all the fucking things you need to put in and stuff so i put in a contingency like when i said to you earlier i was like you know i'll take the chance that i'll keep 30 percent, but i literally put a clause in where i was just like you know if i decide to sell in the next 12 months i could just take it at this exact price whenever i want within like two weeks or whatever and that was the clause i put in yeah beautiful. so i could exit and it's a very clean. And Paul's, like, he's a sound guy. Like, it is what it is. Like, yeah, Paul's, you know, it, Paul's it's, sound. It's yeah. like, you know, he's stuck to his word throughout that deal. It all went right. Happy. He's got what he wants. I got what I wanted. It was a, it was a very clean, professional, probably the most professional person I've dealt with in terms of like negotiating yeah. and actually getting a deal over the line. Um, so it's all worked out. I've left Terra completely. They, they, they can run it. There's no Aminos, there's nothing. It's like, I've got a clean break. I don't have to agree with the branding anymore because I don't have my say. I fully support the brand. I want to do the best it can possibly do with them running it. And I wish them all the best. I want them, you know, to carry on the brand and make it as big as possible. But, you know, I know obviously with Paul 
wants to get it to like 100 million in three years has every chance it should do that like you know the brand has the potential to do that one million percent the pool's business experience and knowledge one million percent should be doing that the money pool has hundreds of millions to pump into that brand to get hera to 100 million should do that even if they got it to 30 million and acquired another brand they could hit 100 mil valuation quite easily yeah, yeah, yeah. they can get there yeah but it's whether in my opinion they can get the branding right and it simply comes down to like the Superdrive story, they get Hewan in, yeah, a suit from co-op, CEO, coming in, but they don't understand the brand. Yeah. Julian comes back two it, years it later. Comes back, and it com- can get ruined. It comes back to culture. Yep. It always comes, in any brand, it always comes back to the culture of the brand. You can know business inside out and you can be the best at having all the money, but if you don't understand brand and you don't understand, and you can't see. Well, it, no, it's, it, 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 it's not just brand. If you don't understand the the, the, the cult customer because it's the yeah. cult customer that, that that tells their friends to go and buy a pair yeah that's 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 and, and your cult customer probably accounts probably at Hera probably accounted for 30 or 40 percent of the fucking audience was yeah. repeat customers yeah right so so like those people are who you're who you need to fucking please because those are the people that are telling four people in the pub these jeans are from Hera go and buy these Oh, trust me, mate. I told you last week to go and get a pair of these. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing hair for like eight years. I know inside out. Yeah, <laughs> so it's yeah. Just, do you know what I mean? Like, I know the customer. Yeah, no, I am the customer. I, no, no. What I'm no, saying, not what, you. I'm just saying in general. Yeah, yeah. I'm so just, just I'm, like, I'm, yeah. I completely agree with you. I'm just saying that's that's the that's the piece that you can't. And you can think of all the business stuff in the world, but the reality of it is, you have to convince that 18 to 26 year old that they want to be seen wearing a hair logo on a t shirt. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. And if you fail to do that, you're fucked. Like if, if and that's brand. Like if you if you yeah. don't want to be seen in your logo, you're done. So it's like branding is so, so important and you can easily screw it up by putting out content which does not correlate to the brand which is cool and it can be destroyed very quickly. But you know, it's just one of the things just where time will tell sort of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, mate, and 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 that's it. And in a world full of opinions, the only opinion that matters is the one that lands on the profit side of the balance sheet. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the only opinion that actually matters. Because my opinion doesn't matter, yours doesn't matter, not even Paul's matters really. Because at the end of the day, it's like, does the brand has the brand gone from six million to twelve? Has it gone from six million to eight? Yeah, that exactly. tells us everything you need to know. Has the profitability gone up? Yeah. Who gives a fuck else about any other opinion? Yeah. If people are buying it. The fucking that that tells you everything you need to know, and that's what, like you said, well, that's why I like, just completely just like sold because it's like there's no fucking stress now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like there's no stress that we don't. You know, we still talk. Me and Paul's just like sound. Like he might even we have re- our spats. He, like, he, I'm not going to like me and Paul. Like we clash at yeah. times. We clash, but we always end up you know making up and just blah blah, blah and then it's all fine. But is is what it is, sort of thing. But um, it, the, the only, only the only reason there would be a clash is because he has a vision. Yeah. You have a vision, and the visions don't align. Yeah, but that, but that's, but that's just business in general. Paul, Paul's Paul's lived sixteen of our lives in business, and what Paul's achieved in business is fucking nuts. is fucking nuts. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal entrepreneur. Yeah, he's nuts. Phenomenal entrepreneur, and to for me on a personal level to go and sit down with him and see everything, not just not just not. Not just see what he's uh, in hear his stories, but like hear, seeing what he's built. Obviously, you've seen it. Yeah. Like for me and you, from a personal level, and it's mad because in the in the in the age that me and you live, and our our demographic age group, and how we see it all on Instagram these days, 
But like when you see real G's, <laughs> you're yeah. like yeah. you're like okay, this is real. This is real. Same with Alan Barrett, mate. Yeah, I bet. Alan Barrett, Paul Richardson, real entrepreneurs, real money, real real shit. It's like something like, like Fast and Furious when I went to Paul's house. Yeah, <laughs> it's just got fucking. He, yeah, 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 it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, fuck yeah, it, it, like, absolute absolute scenes. But yeah. in terms of like now you've exited and you 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 seem like. To me, anyway, from from what you've told me, you seem like you're in the best place. In oh, one million percent. I'm just at peace. But I know before the podcast, you said like, "What's it like selling your brand?" Like, and all this stuff is like, it's absolutely fine. Like, because, like I said, I think I checked out a lot. Two thousand. Man, I've been checked out five years, <laughs> four years. I'm not going anywhere. So, like, I'm, if and this you was, knew that, and you knew that the day before you started the four years, yeah, I was like, I'm not bothered. Like, I haven't yeah. gone anywhere in four years. I'm not. What, great i don't want to do it like please just take the fucking brand and pump money into it and just do something with it because i yeah, can't do it anymore yeah, yeah, yeah. so just like i was i wanted the cash and i just wanted to like just just get this brand fucking going for, and if you and if you once. and if you make the right moves which i know you will with that cash and you build the right oh one million percent that's that's the thing like you've set yourself up haven't bro, you? like if you I, I watch a ton of youtube and i've for years like i've watched like s&p 500 index funds cryptocurrency yeah. Yeah. i'm very up to date with all that stuff and that's been like the past years I watched read Tony Robbins' books and just clued up with how to manage money and how to invest money so I kept zero money in the bank like as soon as that money hit I knew exactly where I'm putting it straight and away allocated it all allocated it all because it's just like hindsight because obviously everything's fucking crashed <laughs> it's like you know wasn't great and yeah but in, you're in, not looking short term no in hindsight it's funny because obviously with inflation and stuff everyone's like oh you know you need to fucking put your cash in the bank, you're burning 10% with inflation, whatever you need to fucking invest it. But, you know, any stock, Shopify down 60 plus percent, all of them, like all the tech companies down, mm. cryptocurrency obliterated. So it's just like, so it's just like, yeah, I invested the money, went downloads, but obviously it's starting to slowly like recover now and stuff. But oh, mate, the, 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 there'll be there'll be ups and ups and downs, but at the end of the day, you've allocated the capital that you you do, you don't need for your day to day life. You you're building cash flow businesses on the back of it. It's like you know, it, we, we, you're you're a long term player now. A hundred percent. Like that's the thing with like cryptocurrency and stuff. It's like I know what I'm signing up to. Like I know it's going to go down twenty thirty percent in a day. I know it's also going to go up hundred percent in a couple of days. So yeah. it's all psychology and stuff. So like with this money and stuff, like yes, gone down like over half. But it's like great. I know I can stomach it because I've actually gone through it now. So it's Mate, just like it, great. But because I haven't, you know, what people do is they, they cash out, panic, then they fucking lost their money. But if you just keep it and just leave it and just forget about it, which I, I don't, I don't sell nothing. Yeah, I don't. And then just keep it, and then long term it's going to go up. But as long the way I see it's like as long as I've got enough money monthly to live off, I don't give a fuck if it goes down eighty percent because like you, it doesn't matter. Do you know the one of the biggest lessons I learned in life from from a top top guy who taught me this. He's like, Frankie, never, ever, 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 ever. I've never sought, I want to teach you something. He goes, I've never, ever, ever not regretted selling any asset that I've owned. So what am I telling you? Never, ever, ever sell anything that's an asset. Yeah. So I have an apartment I paid off when I was fucking 30, right? Just sits there, earns me rental, rah, rah, rah. A couple of months ago, I thought, fuck it, I should sell that and go and do this with it. I'm like, then I remember the conversation. It's like, would you regret selling that? Yeah. Yes, I would. Like, I would. 
like just it, it doesn't cost me anything just to sit there so let it just sit there go go and go and make more money to go and buy other things that you want to buy yeah like don't fucking sell don't sell assets to buy what you perceive as another asset it's, it's just stupid like no one does that yeah no, the, no one with top money does that and the thing is like what i found with obviously selling and stuff like one million percent got the money great but after a month or two or two months like it starts to really hurt my head. Whereas, like, I'm so fucking bored. Like, you need to have work. Like, you have to wake up and put your mind into something to build something. Like, it's like playing a PlayStation game. Like, when you're bored, you play FIFA because it takes it distracts your brain yeah. from being bored. So, like, that's what I do with businesses and stuff. Like, I have to be putting my mind into building something just to keep me sane. So, it's just like, you know, that's why I've built, um, currently, I've been working on for the past, like, few months, like, ashwhite.com, where it's like an e-learning uh, business where it helps... Basically, anyone with a fashion brand like startups and stuff, where it's broken down, it's like it's a sub- monthly subscription where they can sign up, and then it's literally uh, video content of me explaining, like in each module, like finance, how debt works, how how to grow a business, um, legal stuff, all all the stuff I went through, and all the mistakes the knowledge, I made, mate, the, the knowledge, knowledge. Yeah. eight years worth of knowledge. I got sued by Levi's because I didn't understand trademarking. I, yeah, you know yeah, all these yeah. things like are all in this course. So it's just like I put it all in these things, which I'm so proud of because it's fucking amazing. There's like done for you calculators and stuff. So all they have to do is just type in. It's a basically they can download an Excel spreadsheet. It's already done for them. They type in the product, their cost price, and how much they're buying it from the factory, and it will spit out the you know formula, their gross profit margin, and it teaches them how all this links to their P and L sheets. And it just they can get a very very great understanding of actually how the business is running and set up properly like i didn't i, I didn't have Harris set up for years properly because i didn't understand yeah, yeah, it yeah. so you know hopefully you know people can look at you know that i've got you know credibility that you know i've done it sort of thing and they can obviously Mate, watch I, I'm, I'm on your fucking web page yeah <laughs> yeah so i'm um, doing that and then um that's like a side thing like i want to get that up and running that's not where what my passion is it's like that's just a you know, a side project of done. You you giving back. You're creating subscription cash flow. It's yeah. a, it's a great model for you to to start again and keep yourself busy. And yeah, and it's like I put my mind into it. It's like I've actually built a website. I've learned e-learning. You know, I've spent money on being coached by Grant Cardone. It's one of the first things I spent money on. I spent eighty grand to be coached by Grant. What per- person? Person, yeah. 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 So How like, was that? How is Grant? He's fucking legend. <laughs> Yeah. He's a legend. Yeah. So, what did he teach you? So, like with, with him, like I thought you can get like one one hour coaching yeah. session sort of thing. So, it's like because I'm going into the e learning space, he's built a hundred million pound a year e learning business. Yeah, hundred million pound a year. Grant Cardone Fuck me. makes from per, Cardone University. Yeah, hundred mil quality per year, and it's hundred percent gross margin. It's one of the best business models in the world, and it's one of the fastest growing business models in the world. Like, yeah. I think it's going to be. I want. I want. I actually really want to want to go into this space because I think I've got a lot of a lot to give. Yeah, because I I've, think it's going to be worth like five hundred billion by two thousand twenty-six. So like, it's the world's going there. As long as you've got credibility, you've got social proof, and you've actually got something you can sell, mm-hmm. and you can actually provide unbelievable value for them to learn off, then it will work. And you know, I've got full-on, you know, that ashwhite.com thing. I've got massive. <laughs> plans for that like i've got a full-on like acquisition strategy we're going to pump a ton of money into acquisition and a whole you know, arbitrage thing to make that thing big so you know that's going on and that's all coming into play now over the next three to four months and then um the long-term play is like i want to create another clothing brand but i want to do like a luxury clothing brand like price points are like sort of like 
Palm Angel sort of thing. Like that sort of like price what, point. What, what Reese does, Reese won. Like he does. Reese what's his surname? Wambara. No, he does MDV. So yeah, like yeah. he's like fast fashion, not fast fashion, but like that sort of like like a hair at price point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to go into. I want to play to my now because I see business a lot differently, and I do the maths first before I go into a business sort of thing. So you, so you're basically what you're saying reverse is you, 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 you reverse an engineering and you kind of seeing where, uh, how profitable would I be yeah. if I had this product yeah. rather than just starting an econ brand. Yeah, yeah, I like it. So I do it now. I see. I was I started here when I was 19. <laughs> yeah. Now I've got all that experience. Now I'm starting my next clothing brand at 28 with all this knowledge and experience. So now I'm going into it thinking right. I, my weaknesses i do not want to build a brand which requires tons of staff because i hate it like i don't like managing people i couldn't think of anything worse if that's why with harry even if i stayed like i'd be capped because i could not get it to 20 40 50 100 million because it requires hundreds of staff and it's like i that'd be my worst nightmare sort of thing um so with like higher priced products like luxury clothing if you're selling a hoodie for 600 quid and jeans for 600 pound you know you can acquire a lot less customers to hit yeah. 100 million in revenue so yeah. i'd require less staff and i suppose with those limited edition pieces yeah you could do them in drops so you could do them in drops for like 100 200 and then that commands the premium yeah but like these kids are tommy mallet is a wizard what he's done with mallet footwear amazing 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 branding amazing fucking what he's done yeah and even like you know these luxury bands like palm angels for example mate you see kids everywhere festivals went to watch uh paddy the baddie the other day at ufc it was like Palm Angels was like fucking uniform there. <laughs> like everyone, I'd see Palm Angels everywhere scattered across that stadium, like people wearing it. So it's like, you know, they're charging like 200, 300 pound a t shirt, 600 pound a hoodie. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, that target market will still save up enough to buy a streetwear brand, which is aspirational, but you still, it requires a lot of work and a lot of money to pump in to, to make what I want to do successful. Yeah. I've got a strategy to do it. Yeah, I, I think I will. I know I will do it. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, you got all you got all the experience and all the tools to be able to go and execute on it. Yeah, like, it, like and it'll be it'll be it's, it's exciting for me because we're doing this podcast now, and then it'd be great uh, to do these podcasts along your journey of yeah. you building this brand. Yeah, hundred percent. Because because I think it's really. Um, insightful to the audience to to get your different perspectives of how your visions evolved as you yeah. build this stuff. I think I'll have quite a few eyeballs on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as yeah. I'll see if I can do it again, yeah. sort of thing. But um, yeah, it's one of those things taking it slow. It's just like the problem is like with me, it's like because you've got because when I was nineteen, you didn't you didn't know what's ahead of you because you've never done it before. Now I'm doing it again. I know what's already ahead of me, <laughs> so like it does put you off a little bit because it's like do I really want to sign myself up to doing this again and I'm like you have would to. you have it any other way yeah I, w- I know I'm going to do it but it's going to I'm just doing it at my own time when it feels right like I'd be working on my laptop at 10 o'clock at night just on keynotes of playing around with stuff and that's because I enjoy it but if if the next day I'm like I don't want to do it I'm not I just switch off I'm not doing it and I'll, I'll leave it for a month and then I'll come back to it it has to feel natural and but and that's that's how I'm doing it. So there's there's that's dropped on me today. It's like how late notice was was us doing this podcast today. It, it, it was like it's today, right? Yeah. It's today, and we actioned it, and you drove here, and I'm and I'm set up, and I'm you know I've dropped things, you've dropped things, and we've, yeah. we're all you're going on holiday tomorrow. Like, but but at the end of the day, right? It's because. But the, what I realized was I love the journey of this podcast and I yeah. love every rep that I'm doing. Yeah. And for so long, mate, and 
in so many business things or money things or anything I've done I've always tried to rush to this fucking end goal yeah and now it dawned on me today I'm finally in a place where I'm just I'm just happy to do what I love to do yeah and it doesn't matter doesn't matter if I get to 400k on YouTube in three years five years or fucking ten years exactly. it doesn't matter I'll get there it just it just all I gotta do is keep doing the reps and it's funny like I've sold hair but I'm trying to recreate another brand to go back into what I've just left because <laughs> yeah. it shows you need to be working every day you need to be doing stuff well people who, pe- once you once, once you retire in your mind or in body yeah, you die dead. You're, yeah, dead. You're, dead. you're dead you're dead like you, you, you should ne- retirement isn't even isn't even the goal it should never be the goal the, the goal should be to to work in work in an area in your life that you're most fulfilled that's it that's the goal not happiness not not solely money but like because the money will become money will come from working working yeah. on something that fulfills you money will come from that yeah, 100% that's it that's the game there's no other game yeah 100% i kind of realized it a long time ago if you were going to drop if you had to leave the planet right and you had to drop one final piece of wisdom on the world from the from the learnings that you've had uh, in your life from the deepest darkest moments that you've been through and it could just and you can't leave nothing you can't leave the lambo you can't leave nothing you just got to leave some in some pieces of wisdom what would that wisdom be to you Ash? I think for business from looking at from everything that's happened is like well my biggest mistake was trusting people so like it's very difficult for me because obviously the way that was done but in terms of like you know you just got to be very careful in business and like everyone you know you can get fucked so easily so just make sure you just have a very good legal you know solicitor and stuff get a very strong contract and just really like just protect yourself and you know, don't be naive. If it's too good to be true, it is. And just seriously, like, just protect yourself first. And remember, like, when you have the leverage and stuff, like, it's easy for them to, you know, build trust with you. And they'll do all sorts of, ta- all sorts of tactics, like stay at their house, builds trust, go to the boxing, builds trust, and all these tactics. Like, there's so many things they can do. And then all of a sudden you think you've, you know, you mate. you got a mate. And then behind the scenes it's all tactical like it's to build trust and then the fucking you in the background so it's just like mate all i've seen all sorts go on so it's just like you know you just got to be so 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 careful um, and, and how, that's the thing i'd say and how how dark an industry is ecom like it's a dark industry isn't it? yeah it's tough it's really hard yeah it's tough because there's so many moving parts like it's so hard like anyone with the, any ecom business or fashion brand like there's so many moving parts what you have to do you have to be good at marketing advertising then you've got you know, you've got to buy physical product stock import it you know fulfillment <laughs> and brilliant. all this stuff is like there's so much stuff going on constantly like it's very hard mate i so i just want to say like what you've been through the stuff you've distilled in terms of like mental health and all that stuff and being in them dark places and i know at some points during this podcast you've even been choked up a bit talking about some of that i can see it in your eyes I yeah think, you know and I know how much it's meant to you. And, and I just appreciate you coming and telling this story on this podcast because I know how much the audience is going to get from from what you've just distilled, mate. Because in that three-hour podcast is three so hours. much... Three-hour podcast. <laughs> in this three-hour <laughs> podcast, there is so much gold. And here is what I ask from you guys in return, right? If this has hit your ears at the right time, if it's added the value that I know it should have added to you, 
if I, I'm telling you now, it should have added a hell of a lot of value to you, especially if you're an e-commerce entrepreneur, an aspiring entrepreneur, someone who's struggled in life. Do me a solid favor, yeah? Share it on whatever platform you listen to, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Drop a comment, drop a review on the podcast. Message me and Ash, let us know how you found it in terms of like what you've got from it and everything like that. We'd really appreciate it. And just absolutely help me send this podcast into the next stratosphere. We, we, me and Ash both put a lot of money and time into educating you and hopefully putting wisdom in your ears. And yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I don't really appreciate it. It's been mint. And uh, much love, guys. Stay tuned. Don't forget to subscribe to the Frankie Lee podcast.